Season 3, Episode 6 of Inside the Heliosphere. Welcome everybody and uh, welcome to to uh, Paul Brush and his, and his family, Pete, James, Charlotte, Chrissy, Lynn, whoever else is listening here, um, all of the all of the boys at Paul's Football Club, um, I think still Tottenham Hotspur. Last time I checked, um, this was this was one of those ones where, you know, back when I when I came up with this idea and I decided I was going to start to pester my friends and family and and, and people I barely knew about interviewing them, this was one of those ones, a bit like when I imagined interviewing mum and dad and getting their story and and recording some of our you know, our interactions, um, and I won't mention other people's, that would be unfair on, on the ones I don't mention, but this, but interviewing Paul was, 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 was a goal or a dream of mine for a very long time. And, um, I hope it comes across in the interview, but it, it but you know, when I look back at growing up and those sort of formative teenage years, you know, and sport was a big thing for me, and and music was was and remains an enormous thing for me. And um, both of those things were really, um, well, Paul was a mentor, I guess, in both of those things. You know, as you're when you're a teenager, I love my mum and dad, but all of a sudden, here's a, you know, a top level professional footballer that comes and moves in as my next door neighbour, and he plays for the team I support, West Ham United. Come on, you irons, um, and. And then very, you know, as these things go, of course, in those days, it wasn't like the premiership. It was, this was the 80s and it was, you know, we weren't living in Chester in a mansion, let's put it that way. Um, but very quickly, you know, Paul just became Paul, my mate, um, albeit someone I, I was, I, I looked up to enormously. You know, he'd take me to gigs and we'd go for a run and, you know, it was just m- magical. And then I, and then he, he, trusted me enough to let me look after his children and uh you know and there were some absolutely brutal times that 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 you'll hear about in this interview especially early on in in our relationship some tragedy in Paul's life that that myself and my family felt very acutely um and still do and in fact there was a point in this interview where he held it together and I didn't which was a little bit embarrassing but you know I think speaks to the um, the emotion that I feel for him and his family and his and our friendship. Um, so listen to this this conversation um, and bear in mind this this guy's got a remarkable story in all sorts of ways and uh, he's so humble with it and um, you know I just love him. It's, it's it's been it's been a joy to have him in my life and even though I'm sixteen thousand kilometres away now, uh, you know every time I go back to go back to England, go back to Romford, uh, I always see him and and usually one, two or three of, of, of his kids as well. All right, lots of love, Paul, and to all of you. So have a love of your tea. You can drink tea. I've got biscuits here, everything. I've got, look at me. I've got union. I won't go to sleep, don't worry, I'm talking about music. I've got union. I know it's your favourite subject, basically. Um, is that, so... And also, look at you. You know what you're doing with the microphone. Just about. My God. Actually, I was going to. That wasn't going to be my first question. But I, I did think about saying. I imagined you sitting exactly in that chair, and and going. I probably won't have to tell him about microphones, will I? Because you've had so many of them shoved in your face over the years. I, I was. Um, 
I've been around a lot of people that have been interviewed without being interviewed that much. And then I, I learned off of what I couldn't hear from others with people going like... Doing the proximity effect. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, um, yeah. so I got very conscious of uh, where where to hold it. Yes. And those microphones years ago where you used to have to hold a button down if you was talking. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, now, you, now you're showing your age. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, usually, I do, you know, often I do this in my house and, and I have the, the stands up and it's like that. And as we get into it, I find people just sort of sit back and relax and drift away but that mm. as you are there is perfect this is a nice comfortable chair yeah well, mate, how many times you say in that chair before it even got upholstered yeah. um, alright so and, and uh, the other question I didn't ask so myself and Paul have just gone over a little bit about um, I always ask people uh, you know what to steer clear of and I think I know anyway with you mate um, but um, I did want to uh, just check uh, now, the, now the question's gone out of my head um, it'll come back to me um, so what I like to do is I'll start with, oh yeah, that's right. Um, your surname, you okay with me saying your surname? It's going to be hard if yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Not if you're going to keep calling me that to no, my c- face here. No, I never do. <laughs> I never call you that. You know, it's not me being called Mobsy by yeah. everyone, but. Yeah, I know. Well, I that's know that's the thing. When I go to work, then no one calls me Paul yeah. and no one calls me yeah. Brush. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Always brushy. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's. Yeah, but um, uh, no. I've always called you Paul, you know yes. that. Um, that matter, yeah. so, 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 well then, this is Paul Brush. Um, and this is, just a, as, a, as a preamble, I'll, I'll always do a, an introduction anyway. And I'll, I won't, I'll be more effusive during that. I'm not going to embarrass you by sitting here and telling you what I think of you and all the rest of it, because you know that anyway. But um, I will just say that uh, we're in my parents' house in, in uh, Gideon Park in Romford. Um, and uh, when Tina, my wife and I, so I arranged this trip and I thought about bringing these mics and the recording device away. I absolutely, in my in my dreams, <laughs> imagined you sitting where you're sitting now with a microphone in your hand. So I'm so, so, so You want to keep imagining some other things <laughs> in the future then. <laughs> Come true, right? Um, all right, so I'd like to start with a hypothetical. Paul. Did I say Paul Brush? Yeah, this is Paul Brush. All right. So I'm going to start with... A hypothetical situation and it's a bit of a this one's a bit of a corny one but okay you've got a dinner party it's one of those questions you've got two musicians and you've got two footballers as your dream dinner guests living or dead doesn't matter who are the who are those four people footballers musicians well um if you're going to go start off on the easy thing is like who are your heroes right and so my two big areas music football um so i would have uh, bruce springsteen and bobby moore because mm-hmm. i would say that that was easy uh, absolutely heroes. um when you then go on to to someone else Maybe other things are who who would compliment them mm-hmm. in a way yes. would probably make some of that a bit more difficult. Um, Football-wise... Um, Put you on the spot here, aren't I? Yeah. Uh, you, you end up saying the people that you might have just about met or yeah. someone from a long time ago or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's really difficult um, 
from um, someone having a different, uh, I think someone that's played in a lot of different countries or mm-hmm. or whatever makes makes that uh, a more interesting mix. So it makes and, the conversation flow. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and all so, the rest of it. so that's hard because you didn't. Um, <laughs> I've done well to get one. <laughs> you did that. And <laughs> straight away. And, and I was uh, actually dang, I was um, actually expecting not not that you're that predictable, but I was mm. well, I, I was expecting Bruce Springsteen for sure. I wondered if you'd say Bobby Moore because mm. Whereas that sort of will come Bobby Moore thing will come back in I'm sure. uh again I'm later. Sure. Um from um some of the music and some of the stuff that you grow up with, mm. you're thinking how interesting would um some people some people's biographies that i've read from um mick fleetwood to david bowie mm. to whatever i'm sure someone i find someone like david bowie fascinating yeah my wife would be absolutely thrilled if i said that was one of the two <laughs> it's like chrissy's there as well she's she's <laughs> right. uh yeah she she saw bowie when she uh, was really into music just yeah. after she grabs hold of the far end of the clash and groups yes. like that. Ah. But, um, so I only saw David Bowie once, which unfortunately was a letdown uh-huh. because he was on Diamond Dogs tour and oh. he only did three songs I'd heard of. Okay. And so <laughs> I only got a snippet mm-hmm. of what it could be like. Yep. Um, but I read a big uh, book on him last year and I thought, well, yeah. Um, so we're going with Bowie then. Yeah. Bowie, Springsteen, yeah, yeah. Bobby Moore, come on, Paul. And another footballing uh, person. Um, Could be a great entertainer like Jimmy Greaves or Georgia yeah, Best. I think uh, on a natural thing, George Best, because yeah. he already knew Bobby Moore from Fulham, so yes, they would have a connection. That's right. That's right. And there's um, that natural footballer that didn't seem to have to try to do anything whether it was with a football or with a girl um, <laughs> oh yeah that um yeah, yeah. that's a natural footballer and, and i suppose in a way you wouldn't say bobby moore was a natural footballer okay so I okay would, i would go with that okay well that's that's thank you for the segue because the next hypothetical and i am mindful that um that, that we've still got seven songs, book, film, all that to get through. But especially for you, this is this is, and, and I should say that. Um, uh, well, well, we'll come to that. But Paul, Paul, um, when we met, was playing for West Ham United, um, and and has been involved in football in a professional capacity, professional capacity for well, we we don't say how many years, but all of his working life. Um, so, very special question for you then. The best three, I'm sure you've answered this sort of thing before, but best three players you've ever played with and against. Three players you've played with, three players so, against. Um, Billy Bonds and Trevor Brookin. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is with everyone, with, by the way. Yes, that's the easiest. Um, Billy two, Bonds. Two players as a, as a young boy when I was uh, living in East London. I had their pictures on my wall. Oh, and then a really? Few Brookin years as later, well? few years later you are uh, in training and playing games with those um, just right. so on ability wise Alan Devonshire who oh. I was part of his up uh, of his development in West Ham from the point of view of um, when he first came there as a year or two older than me yep. um, 
I was, he didn't drive and I used to pick him up from oh, the train really? station and okay. different things. Okay. Yeah. So, so we had, we, that, that's a sort of uh, yeah. nice, different association. And yep. um, so he was, uh, he got an injury in his mid 20s. Mm. And when you got a cruciate ligament injury yep. in the 80s, you were very lucky if you played again. Yep. He played again for a little while. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, you miss nine to ten months. Right. Uh, and that was at the peak of his career, just as he's got in the England team and stuff. So um, That's right. that was hugely yeah. disappointing yep. for him. So as I say, those have been the best three. When so you play Devonshire, Brooking, and Bonzo, yeah. Billy Bonds. Yeah. And then the people, people that you play against, it was funny. Like I think I played against Paul Gascoigne when he was quite young. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the boy that gave me the hardest time was a boy called Chamberlain, who was a right winger for Stoke, who's the father of Oxlade Chamberlain of Liverpool. Ah. And uh, uh, so he was like the hardest opponent. What, tough or fast? Uh, fast. Mm -hmm. And he managed to cross it round me too easy. Uh. Um <laughs> When, okay. when I thought I was I was up with him, somehow he still crossed the ball. Interesting. Um, and then some others, that I think you took more notice of um, a mixture of those players that were on your wall from the back of uh, shoot yes. next to Billy Bonds and Trevor. So if you played against someone that played for England like Roy McFarland at Derby or somewhere yes. else, you'd go, hey, I've got his picture on my wall as well. Yeah. But um, probably playing against um, someone like Joe Jordan oh, yeah. from Leeds who you weren't directly up against, yep. but every now and you were, and you were expecting the arm across the face and the nose, and it happened. <laughs> right, right. And you went, right. oh, yeah, he's done that. You knew, it, did you feel like it was a right of passage? It was going to come. Yeah, it was. You know? so, so that was uh, before yeah. he played for Manchester United, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. So he was at Leeds. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, so... So, so, you're, so, so, you're, a, so you're, you're a teenager, presumably. Yeah. You've just been... You just said that you've seen these people. They're on your wall. You're... You've got magazines, all that. You're on the pitch. Presumably that awe goes away once the whistle yeah. goes. Is that right? There's or too many other things to think about. Right, right. Um, but as I say, there, there, there was that association, whether it was the night before or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Hey, you know, you. I think these days players get... Um, uh, a rundown of the opponents that they're playing against and yeah. probably a video of this is what he does, this is what he doesn't do. Yeah. You didn't... You Eventually you got those in the 80s, but you knew from the... Although there wasn't that much TV, hey, that's so-and-so, he's quick or he's this or he's that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, if you come up against someone and, and um, it's obviously... a a different challenge but it was a, just a challenge so mm. if you 21 22 and you go oh peter barnes who plays for england's playing against you today you say oh i'll have to try and i better play well today <laughs> but you didn't get oh no what am i going to do um how many and too much of an aura about them yeah and, and you got to remember when i played there was hardly any foreign players yeah so the foreign player that gave us the biggest problem was pre-season 
in the 82, 83, 84, was a lad called Jasper Olsen who'd been at Man United. Yep. And we he went back to Ajax or somewhere and we played pre-season and um, I couldn't get the ball off him when he was for for whatever, some period of the game he was over my side of the pitch. Mm. And then you realised, you know, the, the silkiness of mm. foreign players. Um, but okay. the players, the players that stuck in my mind that didn't go on the wall was in... Uh, 80-81 when West Ham were in the Cup Winners' Cup in Europe. We played um, uh, and uh, we played against uh, someone called Shavadza. Um, Sounds Russian. Yeah, they were um, Dynamo Tbilisi, so oh, okay. they broke off from yep. Russia eventually. Yep. Shavadza and uh, a midfield lad his name began with B. That every time you have a West Ham reunion and they talk about the past, they yes. always mention those two players. Ah. And they what, were... Jesper Olsen and... and uh, uh, no, no, right. just Shavadza and this boy called B. His surname began with B. He was a bald-headed guy in midfield. And Trevor Brookhead and Billy Bonds talk about him because they were right. that good. Wow. Um, huh. So th- those two and Olsen were the beginning of seeing okay. how... Continental players were that bit different and that yep. bit cleverer. And we won't. I mean, all right. So with the, the the history for anyone that's interested is is there was a there was a sort of pre Premier League. It was almost like before Christ and after Christ wasn't it, the Premier League. But I don't. Mm. But I don't want to get. I don't want to get into that. I wanted to because it's about you, not the yeah. history of the football league. But that actually, okay. So when you said there's West Ham um, reunions, and for men of a certain age as we are now, um, I know I can imagine. I can only imagine the sorts of sort. Of my heroes and you know everything that would be at those things but do you the question was going to be do you do you reflect much do you go back into the past much yeah because um i think my memory is pretty strong and um for a lot of people things further back are easier to remember yeah things uh things a long time ago um are are there for me to re, to uh, reflect on? Yep. When I moved nine months ago, the amount of uh, programs, cuttings, photos, and different bits that yep. uh, and I found this bag full of uh, all the shirts I'd played in. Oh God! Um, wow. So to I had a lot of reflecting just uh, before we moved uh, nine months ago. Is it? Good for so, happy for you. Yeah, so so I think that's fine. And then in my job at the moment, where I look after players that go out on loan to uh, other clubs from Tottenham, their experiences uh, that I speak to them twice a week on the phone. Yep. Some of those things um, I've got a bit of experience in. So I went out on loan when I was a player. Mm. Um, I lived away when I was coaching, so I lived away from your area. Where was, where was that loan? Uh, I went to Crystal Palace. Before you left so was, to go was, to Palace? I was on three-month loan before right. I signed for Right, them. right. So just some of the experiences and uh, empathising with yep. a boy that's not in the team, yep. at a place on loan or in the team and gets taken off or comes on and the team loses uh, uh, and then so the team for the next game is doesn't include him um, and things that are said right. to them um, a lot of things that, that 
yeah, you can remember yourself. And also the other thing that I find is it's much easier to remember something that wasn't good than something that was. Yeah. So we yeah. wouldn't be sitting here too long thinking about my best games. Well, but we could sit here oh, and talk very... quite a long while for about my worst game. <laughs> well, no, that probably just that speaks more of you than your ability as a footballer, I would say. Uh, but that's my mm. opinion. Um, it's not important necessarily. Look, um, for everyone that's listening, um, uh, they might have worked out that, that Paul knows how to string a story together already. So I need to get you on your first song. Otherwise, I mean, I'm happy yeah. to sit here till tomorrow morning if you want. Sure. You've got, <laughs> you got to edit a lot of it. If no, 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 no. We, I don't edit. I, oh. I never edit. Everything goes in, mate. I, except for what plays when the song plays and then that. that so you can swear and carry on all you like. Yeah. Um, so the rain's pouring down outside. Um, uh, do you, now, i just got to say in, in the background of this, Believe me, I know how much you love music. I've got, obviously, first-hand experience, lots of memories of that, shared memories, I should say. Um, I can only imagine how hard you feel it, found it to, to, um, to, to get it down at seven. So I apologise, like I always do. But you, um, you were the first... I've had people say for their luxury item, oh, you'll have an iPod with 10,000 songs in it. Like, no, you can't have that. Um, why you can't on a space station, I haven't quite worked out, but you can't anyway. Um, but you're the first person who's put down considerations and then listed... <laughs> something like 15 different bands yeah. and singers which you're not allowed I'm so sorry mm. do you remember what your well your first song um, was there a reason you, was he first on the list was Rod Stewart first on the list yeah because um, mu music has got a time and a place yep uh, and memories or whatever so I, I so I got brought up in East London. I went to watch West Ham as a kid from six or seven. I started training with them at 11. I left school and joined there at 16. And I signed professional at 18 and managed to play at 19. Mm. Around 17, 18, I was earning a mammoth eight pound a week. <laughs> and I'd got into... This is, this is it as a fully signed professional? Uh, that, that, as a youth team player till I was 18, mm. then it was something mm. enormous like 25 pounds. <laughs> but um, oh you, you saved... I, I had a record player and you saved to buy an album. Yep. Uh, and so we started off that the first few songs that I ever had uh, that were actually mine were singles, uh, T-Rex songs and um, uh, Wishing Well by Free, which I hear ever so often on the radio. Yeah. Um, and then um, there was a lot of glam rock type stuff. Yep. There, and then I started to watch Top of the Pops properly and there was Old Grey Whistle Test on. And Elton John and Rod Stewart were the first two uh, singers that I followed. Yep. On from being a little kid when my parents bought a lot of Beatles singles. Oh, they did. So yeah. I was okay. So just, just sorry to interrupt, but so I was going to say, you know, obviously I, I remember your mum and dad very well, Joan and Peter. But was was music a part of their only day a part? Day? Not not great. They quite like the radio, but um, they had a number of uh, Beatles songs. They used to have regular parties. Oh. with their friends yeah. and they had a radiogram right and i used to try and sit under the radio right at five six seven eight yeah. or nine yeah. so that if i wasn't noticed yeah. no one sent me to bed yeah 
Um, Just explain you, what a radiogram is. Uh, I, I well, it's a very big uh, record player that looks like it's got a big box around it. <laughs> it's a big bit of furniture. Yes, yeah, a big bit of furniture <laughs> and, and, and uh, lifting a needle or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And they actually had, around that time, they had some Beatles songs and then there was the big old 78 records. Yep. And some of them were just uh, music, mm-hmm. sounded like someone playing the piano. Um, and there was also, in certain magazines, floppy oh, singles, yes. That's uh, right. which were like fan club things for the yep. Beatles and stuff. And I was allowed to play them at times on the radiogram yeah. on my own. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I can remember that was the, the introduction to, be, to, to music for a group of people. Mm. Um, but my music became um, singles, and then I got to like the the sounds of Rod Stewart and yep. Elton John, yep. and I could just when I could afford it, hey, I can buy an album. <clears throat> and to buy an album in the late seventies was big because yep. you probably only knew the single that accompanied the album. Yep. So the interest was in the other songs yep. and for the money which you'd had to save up for was it worth it? Right. So there was an anticipation yep. and uh, 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 a, a sort of worry. I hope this is good. I don't really know the artist that well yes. until you bought a couple of albums. Yep. And both Rod Stewart and Elton John, the first albums I bought, yep. I enjoyed. So the second albums by those two artists... Is that you? Yeah, don't worry. The second uh, albums by those two artists was the album before the album I bought. Okay. So, so I went backwards. So, so I, what was the I, first... So this was from... Uh, you Wear It Well was you from Never, well Never was a Dull from, Moment. Uh, Stewart was the follow-up album to Every Picture Tells a Story that right. had Maggie May on it. Right. So I knew Maggie May, but I'd said, oh, I quite like that. And then a new album came out, because albums used to come out quicker in those days. So I bought an album, and then the next album by Rod Stewart I bought was the previous one. So Elton John was the same thing with Rocket Man, um, with, uh, and yep. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And mm-hmm. it, went, it went, I went backwards. Yep. Um, and saw there was a catalogue. But, but isn't that lovely, though? That isn't that. I mean, I don't know about you. I, I've I've embraced Apple Music. I don't know if you use that or Spotify. And now you can read a review and go, I might as well have a listen to it, see what it's like. But what you just described, and this is a leading question. I'm sorry, um, but don't you think we've we've lost something in not being forced to take a chance, yeah. invest, and then not just that, but. I was talking about Queen, you know, Queen, me and Queen. And in fact, I just want to, uh, you, you've probably forgotten, but I'll tell you a story about you and Queen and me later. But, um, uh, you know, I always say that some of the songs on Queen, they'd never make it singles. You know, they'd never, they were what you'd call filler. It's like the Beatles, I suppose. You know, for every, oh, I don't know, uh, for every, um, well, I'll just name a big Beatles song, but I was going to say um, Off Abbey Road that say, come together, there's a Maxwell Silver Hammer or something. But they become yeah. your friends, don't they? The whole yeah. the track listing becomes yeah. your friends. Uh, and then your favourite albums, um, when you didn't have that many albums, so you used to yeah. play them a lot, That's right. you knew the next song before it came on. That's right. And it was something magical about that. So what 
made you choose this particular song? Like, so you said Maggie May, huge song. Mm. You wear it well, also big, maybe not quite as famous now. No, I just uh, just like the melody of it and it reminded me of Maggie May, but it wasn't. <laughs> uh, okay. And the, re- the rest of the album had such a, a mix and yeah. um, just uh, appealed to it at the time and... Hold on a minute, Elton John's on it. And, okay. Oh, really? Uh, Elton yeah. John's on the album? Yeah. Um, oh. So that the, uh, I also, the, the instruments, because it was very fresh coming away from the faces and he was using other yeah. musicians, yeah. some of the, the fade outs from Rod Stewart and the Eagles that mm. comes later mm. or very soon, <laughs> not much later. Spoiler alert. Uh, uh, yeah. The, the, the fade outs I really liked with yeah. a bit of improvisation yeah, yeah, in it, yeah. noises and yeah. things that weren't, they weren't reading it off a page. Yeah. And do you remember I used to sort of crank the volume so you could hear the very last yeah. little bit of extended. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, yeah, noises because I can't sing of ooh, ooh and ah and uh, different um, expressions where you can tell someone is into the song and not um, just singing it because the lyrics are written in front of them. Got it. It's feeling the music, I suppose you put it. All right. Well, let's have a little listen, mate. Time that I don't mind 
So, uh, just as a, it's a test of your memory. Do you remember the the? And it was the, f- well, do you remember the Queen album you gave me, which when you when I started to really go deeply and love Queen and all that, you lent me an album and then you you gave I didn't nick it I know that you gave it to me, <laughs> but it's the I've still got it and it's the original and it's got like the original sleeve inside and everything. I think it's precious and it's and it's pristine. It's I've still kept it and it's in Australia with me. Right. So I bought Sheer Heart Attack. There you go. You got it. So, Bang, straight so, away. Um, um, when was that? Now I'm Here was yes. a single that yeah, was out yeah, and I yeah. bought the album, same thing as, I wonder what the rest of the album's like. I only ah. know that. So I really liked Brighton Rock. Yes. And then I did buy A Night at the Opera. Yep. And... Um, so, yeah, no. so you must have, you must, I think, I think I'd have to check Sheer Heart Attack was 74. So you must have pretty much bought it when it came yeah. out, right? Mm. So I've got, thank you. I've got right. an original <laughs> Sheer Heart Attack from 1974. Thanks yeah. to you. Oh, and just another bit of trivia. I don't want you, I don't want you to, I don't want you to remember this just in case you do. Cause it's still, you know, you said how it's easy to remember the, the bad things mm. you've done. I hate it. This is one of those things that sometimes I'll be walking down the street and I'll go, oh, and I'll just kind of, you know, shudder at the memory. And it's and it's putting a scratch on your Mr. Mr. album. And I'm and I'm mm. telling you it now, and I'm so sorry. Again, I felt Yeah. Anyway, I just have to say that. <laughs> so I think that's the only one I've ever scratched right. yours, but I'm so sorry. Well, it's so easy to do them, wasn't it? And then um I was so careful as a well. A long time ago, then probably the more careful you were and uh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. um Anyway. And when when you ever thought a needle was going to be sharp enough yeah. to go in the grooves That's and right. wasn't, and That's right. I'm so mm, sorry. Anyway, right. just for the record, everybody and Paul, <laughs> I'm sorry for scratching your Mr. Mr. album, right? Maybe one day I'll that wouldn't have got in the top fifty. <laughs> it was one or two songs. If I'd have, if I'd have scratched your original uh, Born to Run, that might have been a different. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So no. So so I had a. Um, uh, it, it, I don't. I didn't have this planned at all um, as a hypothetical, but it occurred to me when you said you're not much of a singer. If 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 that weren't you know the case, I'm giving you the, the you know the best talent. And this is such an unfair question. Given the chance, would you have would you have been a professional footballer or a musician? I would, have been, I would have been a professional footballer, um, but uh, yes, I have. Uh, always envied anybody that can play an instrument yeah. or sing a bit. Yeah. And um, the middle boy, James, can sing. Yeah. And obviously he got everything from his mother's side <laughs> to be able to do that. Well, Pete tells I, I jokes. Could, uh, what does yeah. Charlotte, what does Charlotte yeah, do? Yeah, no, they could all do things off their mothers. Nothing to do, not a lot to do with me. Whatever they could do with their feet was to do with me. <laughs> Charlotte couldn't play football a bit? Charlotte could. Charlotte could. Charlotte's... Yeah. Um, no, there's. Yeah. Uh, she's got that. She's got so many characteristics that you are aware of. That hold on a minute. I yeah. think I was like that, or I think yeah. I used to worry like that, or I used to um, with your kids. But yeah. when when they can perform, which the two oldest boys can, yeah. that uh, I, I'm 
in admiration for them. Yep. For James to when he used to come to football when I was working and stand in a room of footballers and sing a song and do oh, something. Right? Yeah. Um, Tough audience. Yeah, to to be able to do that and do it confidently. Yep. Um, yeah. So I, I saved all those things that I couldn't do and I couldn't sing. And I tried and succeeded in doing something at James's wedding. Yeah. Um, oh, did you? What did you do? Yeah. Um, I sang We Will Rock You in my speech. <laughs> did you? Or part of it. Unaccompanied. But it's a, it's a, wow. Yeah, but it was unaccompanied and it wasn't because I got to, two to sort of help me back up a bit. Okay. Okay. But what I managed to do, I'd seen it by an American guy that I'd uh, played football for a short while at uh, Southend. Yeah. And the beat to We Will Rock You, yeah. everybody did on the tables. Yeah. So okay. they were sitting around the tables. Okay. And then we managed a couple of verses. Well done. Um, but I'd had a really good drink <laughs> and a really good day. <laughs> you needed a, you needed a, something to settle you down. Yeah. Good yeah. for you, man. I always wondered if I'd do that when Charlotte gets married or like, yeah. would it seem like a reprise? So it probably, when you do something again, it probably hasn't got that effect. You need a new song, don't you? But I don't think I could sing it <laughs> unless it's got a big drum beat. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I'll try and think of something as we're going through. Okay. I wouldn't suggest doing Rod Stewart. That is, that's no. tough to sing. That one. Mm. All of his, he's, he's got, I mean, what a voice. I, I sort of, I mean, you know, I don't, it's not about what I think, obviously, but, but when you said he was, you know, he left the faces and oh my God, what a band that was. As yeah, well. one that- of the biggest regrets with music is I used to drive to um, where West Ham used to train. Chab- I used Chab- to, Chab- at Chab- used to drive between uh, uh, the main ground and um, yep. Barking and on to Chabble Heath. Yep. It went past uh, an Odeon <laughs> cinema that actually did concerts and I didn't know that as a teenager huh. and I saw up one day the faces and I thought well that can't be them they're yeah, a rock yeah. group they wouldn't be playing at a bingo yeah. cinema place Where and it, it turned out they were in East Ham and I didn't in East Ham yeah so wow. that was in the 70s and that was oh I could have I drive past that every day um, no. that would have been probably the first concert I went to um, the first three concerts were First concert was The Who at uh, oh, Finsbury Park. Now you're killing me. And the second... What year was that? Just to really 70, twist the knife. 77. Oh, wow. Probably. 76, 77. Keith Moon still holding it together? Yeah. Yeah. So I saw him twice in about a space of a year. Yep. Uh, no, three times because they also did an outdoor uh, at... Um, Charlton Football Ground. Oh, that's a famous one. So, yeah, so there was uh, Little Feet and a lot of American oh. Alex Harvey band, a lot of uh, other bands I'd never heard of were on there. And that was my first, uh, um, whether you called it a festival or not, but you were there seven or eight hours yep. and uh, had a really good view, uh, probably 30 yards from the stage. Wow. Uh, but got there at two o'clock. Yeah, and the girl that I went with wanted to go to the toilet about seven. <laughs> oh no! And we lost about lost fifty it. yards. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was probably, which brings me nicely to I think the first, maybe the only time I heard you sing, uh, which was when one of, one of the gigs we went to together, and it was well, let's see if you can guess. I don't know if you remember how many you took me to. But well, there was a few. No, so the, I would, whatever I would have sung at. Um, 
the amnesty thing. There you go. Um, Nailed it. Yeah. That's it. But when yeah. Springsteen came yeah, on, no, he started yeah. singing. Yeah, the, the, I could sing quietly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 72,000 people all around us, didn't we? Yeah, okay. But I still heard you, though. You see, yeah. I went, oh, he's singing. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't go, oh, that's all right. Like, oh, he's singing. It's just that it was, it was, for me, I always thought it was, you just felt, you didn't seem confident in your singing voice. Mm, kind of thing. No. <laughs> no. Paul scrunching his one face. One tone, out. one tone. <laughs> all right, okay. Um, yeah, and, and oh, you know, and just funny, uh, we mentioned, it's funny how these things turn up. Um, uh, you mentioned Crystal Palace, and we, uh, we, we are going to obviously dip back a bit. I've got some stuff to ask you about all that. But Ian Wright was just on the telly being interviewed about sort of glaucoma and stuff before. And when, um, and, and just feeling Ian Wright's a terribly famous um, and successful footballer, but more than that, and I hope he never changed. I suspect he didn't. Paul, when he played at Crystal Palace, took me along to a training session and Ian Wright was a very very new uh professional kid off the streets kid off the streets famously and and was just delightful he, he let me take penalties against him and vice versa and then we sat and had a cup of tea in the in the tea room afterwards and just what a delightful man he was and I hope he's I, I suspect he's not I suspect that he's he stayed the same he seems yeah, I think he's pretty close to that yeah. um but uh, yeah, it was always interesting to see a boy just a bit, yeah, that uh, hadn't hadn't had uh, the upbringing of going to train with a pro club at fifteen, joined at sixteen. Yeah, yeah. He'd sort of come in off the building site almost at twenty, a bit yeah. like Alan Devonshire. Stuart so Pierce. I saw Alan Devonshire at West Ham, and I saw him right there. Yeah. Um, so everyone can always say, oh, they're hungrier because they've seen the real world. Um, maybe that's the case. Um, maybe some people are just later developers. Um, but when given the opportunity, though, yeah, when given the opportunity that um, they could, uh, they could embrace it. You know. Yeah. Do you? Um, well, okay. So fifth. So you, you you said the timeline of it. Actually, you know what I had. A, I did have a question. It's about this, about your entrance to West Ham and the famous academy and all that, which you were kind of there for the the end of the the best of the best of that, right? That that famous academy years, which started, I think, in the early, more like late fifties, late fifties, early sixties. Sixties, yeah. Well, there's there's a pit photo of you. I remember being held on shoulders after winning maybe the London yeah was, is that right mm. can, is that, can that be right the London Cup or something yeah what you're playing for Plasto or playing for London playing, playing for the district which was new and which was West Ham and East Ham combined yeah really strong competition mm. Mm. and the question I was do you, do you remember um, Nick Hornby in in Fever Pitch I think it was when he sort of just ruminated on I can't remember the player I can see the player he played for Notts Forest and he played for a bunch of other clubs and what he said was he never quite made it to, if you could say in Forest, he never quite made it to Stuart Pearce or he mm. never quite made it to Trevor Brookin, mm. but a good club man, played for a few different clubs. And what he's, and what always stuck with me was he said he, he probably went through from primary school being the best there was in any of the primary schools to secondary school being the best there was, to district, to probably county, to best there was. And all of a sudden, he's in the big bad world of um, Joe Jordan and Billy Bonds yeah. and all the rest of it, and then and Trevor Brookin, and I wanted to explore, ask you really, and again it's a leading question. But did you 
you clearly were the best in your school. You clearly were the best in that London team because I remember you being on the shoulders of, sorry, the mm. Newman, um, what did you say, Newman, Barker? Yeah, the, the, yeah, the district area was the London Championship, which was a major. London and Essex, we did really well because, um, but the thing was, I didn't, um, I wasn't the best in the team uh, all the time for the district because I grew up with Alan Kirbishley who went uh, on to play yes, at West Ham and managed them. <clears throat> and another lad, another lad called, who didn't make it in the end, whose name was Ozzy Choo Choo. Mm. And he was in spells between when we first played together at nine years of age to 15. Yeah. At spells, we were all probably better than the other two. Yeah. But there were times where he was, he was a forward, he was better than us. But he went to Lake Norian and he didn't have a good uh, home background. Yep. And he had a few injuries just when he joined right. there and didn't make right. it. Right. Um, so I didn't have it. Well, this is, everything's that straightforward. And I didn't play for England schoolboys. Um, you must have been close though. So, yeah, but the, the, the thing, I got injured when the, some of the trials were on, um, and that was, um, and the district failed to tell them. So when I turned up to oh, watch boy. the trials, they gave me a shirt, and I said, I can't oh, play, which didn't go down too hell. well. And then, didn't um, know that story. Yeah. So, so my, my other story. Was that, Wem- was that Wembley? No, that was, um, I forget where the trials were, but there was th- it was like 30-odd players oh, uh, to get in. And then my one chance was uh, our district team had won everything from, yep. whatever, nine years of age to 15. At 15, it was the All-England Championships. So now we've gone beyond Essex yep. and uh, yep. London. Yep. And we've probably, we've got a really good side. And um, just... Just um, the injury I got to stop me going to the trials was playing for the district. And um, I knew my only chance was we were still in the last 16 of the All England. Yep. And we were going to play at Clapton FC in near Plasto yep. on a non-league pitch against someone in the last 16. And I knew that all the England selectors... Yeah. We're going to be at that. So that right. was my one chance. I'd missed the trials for injury. Yep. I had to be fit yep. in two weeks to play there. So I'd gone to the hospital and they told me that I'd gone to West Ham to have treatment. They wouldn't treat me until I'd gone to the hospital. I go to the hospital and the hospital say, yes, you've hurt your ankle and you've chipped an ankle bone. So I had a decision. So I went back to West Ham and said, I've only got a sprain. And I let them massage this this, uh, chipped ankle bone in the hope of being fit in two weeks. I went to have it strapped up and then got on the bus and went to the game two weeks later and played bang average. And so did everybody else in our team and we lost. If you'd have kept in the competition, you was keeping, you'd have been in the last eight at the national and all the all the uh, selectors would have been at the quarterfinals and stuff like that. So that went wrong. And so I'd played and gone through a bit of pain to try and play and hadn't succeeded. So I was 15 years of age. When I moved from West Ham to Crystal Palace, I was 27. Mm -hmm. And I had uh, a very, very basic medical. And I'd never thought about my ankle since. And after the medical, I go in to see a doctor 
And they said, oh, uh, have you had an ankle injury in the past? Because mm. it showed up. And I went, oh, yeah, when I was 15. You had x-rays done. Yeah. And I went, oh, he said, oh, yes, we could see you've had an injury in the past. And so that was a reminder yep. of uh, that. But the, the district was, I think when you grow up into football, you have uh, confidence in your own ability, but you don't expect everything to be smooth. No. When I joined West Ham, when I left school, I couldn't get in the youth team. Mm-hmm. There was a two-age gap. There was 16, 17, 18-year-olds, and I couldn't get in it at first. So you realise this, this ain't a cakewalk. It's right, not right. Gonna, so that was this doesn't lead to that, okay, and that doesn't okay. lead to that, and you've yep. got to go backwards <clears throat> and sideways. So um, I realised then that um, although you had belief in what that you could make it, you didn't. You realised it wasn't a nice smooth transition from yep. schoolboy to yep. youth to senior. Yep. It wasn't. It wasn't going to be like that. Whether it was going to be injury, being selected, yep. or or whatever, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, predestined, and you were just yep. going to get there. Um, okay. There must have been a time when. I mean, I can only imagine. Yeah, you get to that rarefied level. And okay, that's when you run run up against not just the the the, the standard of those around you, but the selection mm. and and injuries and all that. And I just shiver when I imagine what sports science was in those days. When I hear about mass, even massaging a sprained ankle, I mean, mm. was, that's just ridiculous. That's compounding injury with injury. And I hope you didn't get loads of bloody cortisone injections as well. I've had a couple. Don't worry. I've done, so, done things that you didn't that people don't do now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I sort of that, those didn't affect me. Um, but I did, I did have an injection to play to later on in my career at Southend. Yeah. Last game of the season, need to win to stay up. Yep. And I'd uh, damaged the thigh muscle, and I had injections to play, and I can push my oh, thumb into the hole in my thigh. Dear, dear, but I got dear. through the game, and we stayed up. So in the end, you right. think was it worth it? Probably. Should you do it? No. Would you advise your son to do it? No. Yeah. But it was you, and it was then. Um, yeah, gladiator, mate. And a lot, a lot of football then compared to now, is that you were worried if you didn't play, someone come in the team yeah. and the team won. You yeah. didn't get your place back, yeah. and you might not get your place back for a long while. Mm. So if you were ninety percent, eighty-five percent, you said you were fit. Nowadays, with sports science, they can check a little bit closer to you being 100% sure. and check GPS during the week and yep. stuff yep. and check each muscle uh, to a better standard yep. to find out how you are and test each muscle yep. so that can eliminate that situation. And it almost loops back to, as well, the, the attitude. Like when you say that your job now is essentially to support young men yeah. that, that might be really struggling you know that their their dreams are rubbing up against mm. i've been i've been I've, I've arrived at Tottenham Hotspur. i'm in the big time all of a sudden i'm being sent out, out. Alone. And, and back in the day mm. there was i'm guessing there probably wasn't the same arm around the shoulder approach for young young people that no were, no there's, there's boys that you rated that thinking oh they're not here anymore mm. and they, they're just gone yeah um so yeah it was i, I think 
you you when you get older you can more reflective on looking at why didn't you know how did you see that how didn't you see that there wasn't agents there wasn't interference there wasn't mm. uh, you didn't know as much there wasn't as much in the papers okay sky sports didn't have to fill everything every hour yeah. so i right. finished my career and i'd bump into someone or a former manager, and they would say, I tried to buy you in 1983, oh, and you go, God. oh, did you? Really? But in the old days, the club phoned a club, and if that club said, no, he's not for sale, that, that was, was the end of it. That was it. Damn. And then you, you, you yeah. know, I found those things out later, and that wouldn't happen now because, you know, there's agents itching to move people. Yes, out or for their 10%. In, or- yeah, or get them an increased uh, contract. So players don't have to fall out with managers, that's right. Because players don't have to speak to managers about contracts. Right. It's funny. Uh, I told a couple of, uh, of friends in Australia. You know, I said, "Oh, I'm really, really excited. My mate Paul's, you know, going to be interviewed, and he's got a really interesting story. And he used to play for West Ham. And they look at me like they they hear that and they go." And it's like, where did you live? Because I think they imagine us living in, like, you know, Cheshire, you know, yeah. in a, in a, in a twelve, you know, well, how much money have your parents got? I said, no, 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 no. You have to understand that that money changed in football in the nineties, or it started oh. to change in the nineties. Oh yeah, yeah. You were in the wrong time for that. I was in the wrong time for that, and um, but that's the way it is. You can't do anything about it. I was no. probably, you know, whether. Um, a lot better players than me didn't make as much money anywhere near as what they would now. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is now, and it's not just uh, football. It's most sports, right down to sports that were amateur when I was playing. Yeah. Um, yep. Now professional and good or luck rugby. to them. Yeah. Good luck to them. That athletics and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, look, we've already heard how, how good you are to have on your team at Trivial Pursuits. Mm. I did. I did a little bit of research for this one. I, I'm quite proud of myself. I'm going to try and catch you out because I didn't know this. Um, how, do I, how do I make the question? Okay, there there is a season. There's, there's a couple of questions here. There is a season that you played for West Ham where you were the, according to this source, the the most you 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 were the um, had the most appearances in that yeah. season. Mm. Tell me the season. So it was the second season, so it was 77, 78. Um, no. I played in... 78, 79. 78, 79. I played, yeah. I'm glad I, played, I, you I out. played 20 odd games in the first season. Yeah. I played every game up till Christmas, and then I didn't play after Christmas um, because I really got a chance when a lot of players were injured as a teenager. Stop keep doing yourself down, mate. It sounds... And then the following year, I got in the team and. I managed to escape injury. It was a couple of weeks where I didn't train all week, but I managed to play every game. And so that was um, in the second tier of yeah, English football. The division two. So uh, the only problem with that was West Ham should have been capable of getting promoted from that, and they didn't. Yeah. Um, but I'd played um, in a side that was all English. Um, which is so different to these days. Yeah. Um, and well, hold on a sec though. Wait a who's, second. Who's in that? There is one player. Ray who was Stewart not then English. joins no, no. later. There was a goalkeeper. Oh, Bobby Ferguson. There did you he go. play? Yeah. 
I didn't play all the time. That, yeah, that wasn't going to be my trivial question. My he next... lives in Australia. Does he? Yeah. <laughs> I love it that you know where all these people <laughs> are still. That's great. There were, who were, so you had, according to my source here, you had 44 appearances in all competitions that year. Mm. Who were the next three or four players with the most appearances from you? Tough on this. It is, yeah. Uh, I would have thought someone like Pop Robson was playing yes, up front. Yes, very good, very good. Pop, uh, Brian Robson, not the other Brian Robson. Yeah. Pop Robson played 42 times. Yeah. There, there was someone else on 42 uh, and there was someone else on 43. You were on 44. So and Bonzo was on 41, I'll give you that. Right, okay. So um, who else would have... Another forward? The, who was... Uh... And a midfielder. So I don't know if Jeff Pike played that much. Was it? He was on ten appearances. Yeah, that. right. Yeah, he was younger. Um, no, my mind's gone on those. Right. No, well, you've already on. mentioned he's he's one that you would have at your um yeah, uh, so your, the hardest play or best play you've ever played yeah, with. Trevor, Trevor and don't, Bonzo were no, 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 not Trevor. Were, uh, top with no. Dev started that. Yes, that Alan Devonshire. First, Dev got in the season before. And then played a lot. And what he fought at forty three. Yeah, what made it easy was uh, he played in front of me, so we, we sort of uh, we got a good combined Absolutely. relationship. And sometimes when you play longer together, obviously, yes, you sort of know a little bit more of um, what each other's uh, doing. Now the, who, the other thing with that yeah. was we got knocked out of both cups pretty quick, so oh, that's why so, yeah, you'd hope yeah. to get to fifty games in a season if you yeah. played every game. Yeah. Um, well, no one did. So the other person was another a big tough forward. Was who was up front then? John Radford. Uh, who was centre forward? Had a beard. David Cross. There you go, David Cross. Oh, yeah, forty-two. Yeah, I was trying, mate, you've not done bad. That's no. a that's a pretty tough question. No, I was uh, yeah, on that. on what year certain people would um, broke through. You, you're yeah. sort of like associating with one or two years further down the line. It's like Alvin um, only got 23 that season. Yeah, he was, Alvin Martin was just starting because he started a bit later than me. He carried on a lot longer. Alan um, Kirbisley was only on 27. Seven, yeah. Yeah, there was, um, you know, there were pitches with mud on and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of um, uh, different surfaces and different stuff that happened and stuff. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Do you it remember? was a big thing to have played every one, and it's and it's <clears> one of those. I've got to do something for the West Ham program for next month, ah. and they've asked for six six moments, and they that's one of them that's stuck in my head to have played every game. Yep. The problem with it, where it played on me and played on my. Probably a bit of my conscience, a bit of my confidence is I played more games before I was 23 mm. or 22 yep. than I did between 23 to 27. So when you've had that, not because people said, oh, like he must be good, he's playing all the time, but just um, I'd got through the nerves of being a young footballer and... Yep. Different circumstances, different <clears throat> grounds, different atmospheres, different weather conditions, and whatever. And the confidence was knocked by not playing all the time and feeling you yep. had to do yep. a bit more to stay in. Yep. Um, because 
circumstances happened later on when I didn't play all the time and there was there was you could find a reason that you thought hey that didn't work for me um yeah like uh first game of the season probably uh 80 uh 80 81 yeah away at Bristol City oh my god first game didn't win they my boots weren't packed for me that you right. people packed the boots in this big skip. Yeah. They weren't there. You played in borrowed boots, oh, didn't play very well. Right. Didn't play the wow. second game because it was a cup game. Yeah. They won five nil away from home and I didn't play for another uh, eight weeks. And you just God, felt it's well, tough. certain That's things so happen tough. and don't happen and you think, Well, that circumstances didn't fall for you. But the later on I got more nervous yep. about I better play well, otherwise I won't be in, rather than when I was playing every week. Yeah. It was just like, keep doing what you're doing. Yes. Um, then you, you know, well, it's, it's, it's so, I mean, I don't know if people are getting the same sense that I am, but, you know, if any in any profession, not just sporting, where you're expected to perform, there are certain, I mean, fitness is one thing, right, and, and durability, and it, it goes on and on, I guess. But the other thing is that, Inevitably, you more the more you do of something, the slicker you get at it, mm. don't you? Yeah. And, and but but if you're then expected to now for everyone that's imagining their work situation, for example, or you know if they've got a, a job where they're expected to have a performance element mm. to it, you know, now you've got someone standing there judging you, who's in charge, and you've got thirty or thousand people on, on the terraces. Yelling at you and judging you as well. I mean, the, the intense scrutiny that that you're under as a professional footballer. Yeah, there's more now. I think. Oh, you're more conscious of it now. If you play in the Premiership, there's 22 cameras, yeah. so you can't hide. You yeah. can't, you know, and anything. You've got, the, you've got the GPS on, like yeah. you said. So you, you, there's uh, there's no escaping from scrutiny. Yeah, um, but there's. Uh, if you're doing something regular in any sport, yep. even if you're just going running, yep. um, if you're doing a job, you're an actor or anything, mm. if you're doing it regularly and you're comfortable with the build-up to it, yep. you get into a rhythm. I just think yep. it's rhythm. You yep. only get into a rhythm yep. if you're doing it regularly. Uh-huh. If you're stop-start and then you've also got time to think why why is this not happening? Yeah, the old mind games. Uh, and the mind games can come into it. And I got more uh, and uh, more of an anxious way from the eighty-two to eighty-five, knowing you weren't playing all the time. Yeah. Than I'd got being a kid playing in the late seventies till probably nineteen eighty. That that we must go to song two, because yes, we were nearly an hour. Sorry, but but before I go to that and and. I've just got so many questions to ask you, but and I'm I just want to listen to it all. But this, the record so far is four hours and twenty minutes for one oh, of these no, things. No. With me. <laughs> but um, uh, the last question was: I, I once asked a mate of mine, uh, Tom Cross. Tom, he's a he's a really good mate of mine. He's a doctor in Australia. He's a sports physician actually now, and he's, he works with one of the uh, top the Sydney Australian rules football team. But he played rugby for Australia when he was a schoolboy. And he's, the answer to this, and he's a very taciturn con- individual. He's he's um, he's not one to ever boast. It's a bit like it's a bit like you. Like I, I do more boasting for him than he does for himself, for sure. But I once said to him, 
you know the zone, Tom. You know, uh, yeah, famous zone where time slows down, and if you're a tennis player, their their court's huge, and yours is tiny, and you can see the ball in slow motion, and all that. You know, and for you, it's I guess you can you can just make any tackle, run up and down the pitch, pass at will without even trying, which I think is the rhythm thing as well. Mm. Comes with. I said to him, how how often did you, when you were at your peak in school and playing all that, were you in the zone when you ran out on the pitch? And he went, I'd say all the time. And it just knocked me back because I I thought he'd go like oh, one in ten, mm. two in ten. So what would you say? How often, how often did you get that feeling of floating around the pitch and, and being able to I do it's hard. I think I enjoyed playing and I enjoyed playing right to when I played part-time football. Yeah. Because I saw football was 11-11 on a grass pitch and not not the surroundings okay. once the game had started. Okay. I only saw the surroundings before. Um, but I had a number of times where in the warm-up, I'm thinking I'm not kicking it very well. I don't mm. feel very quick or whatever. But there was a, I, I, I just got into a game and felt that I was with it in games. I know I can still remember playing a poor game or at certain games that were poor right through my career, even non-league. I can tell you where I played badly oh, right. for Haybridge wow. Swifts when I was 37. Boy. What day I played bad, a lot, lot more than games that I, I probably did it well like at. torture, so, mate. God. Well, I don't know, but it's just, it just, if it got you, I was brought up, um, my parents uh, were fantastic support and they didn't have a car when I was younger and they got to every game and they got... The school played at Newcastle when they got there. Oh, boy. Um, but My parents went up to Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. my dad saw what I did wrong and my mum saw what I did right. Oh, so my dad would tell me the two things I'd done wrong and my mum would say, oh, don't, don't worry about that. You played really well today. And I got both of them. Mm-hmm. They didn't get each other and they ended up standing over opposite sides of the pitch as a <laughs> kid. Literally did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. But I, I got that and I now speak to the boys that I look after at Tottenham on loan and I can't help it sometimes when I say to them, how do you think you played? Um, if I speak to them a day after a game that I've been to and then I can't, I'll, I know I always get to, you remember when you did that badly or right. when you kicked it over the stand right. or where you miskicked or whatever and it's not, you know, and I just think, oh, that was, my dad would have said that. Right, interesting. Yeah. Get on to the song. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. I told right. you, four hours and 20 minutes. We've right. still got another right. three hours and right. 20 to go. All right, so Eagles. Yeah. I did, yeah. But as soon as, when I, when I saw this, I, 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 it reminded me how much you love the Eagles. Yeah, and it was a, was a very... Do you, remember, uh, do you remember what the circumstance of the... Why this song? Why, 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 why this song? I don't know. This song got me on a... Um, just felt it had uh, a lot of meaning and it was whatever. I was, you was a teenager and I'd yep. seen them. They were the second group I saw in concert. Right. Um, and I'd got three or four albums um, and felt that I enjoyed... Um, the other albums, third and fourth album, more than the second, which is what Desperado's on. But you want the greatest more, hits, though, yeah. don't you? Yeah. So I cheated and thought with the greatest hits. But this is um, outside 
this is the greatest, uh, the biggest selling, they call it a rock album mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed every song on this album. And one song I didn't put on it was on the third album. It was called Best of My Love, oh, yeah. which is what I'd, I, if I was doing individual songs, was probably just ahead of Desperado. But there are huh. certain lines, lyrics in this, yeah. the most uncomplicated lyric, I just find easy. Some of those lines just so like easy to remember. Um, I'll tell you afterwards. Um, okay. But the, uh, the, <laughs> the, what reminded me of Eagle 7175 was my first house that I bought in Chapel Heath when I was 20. Oh. Uh, you were 20 when you bought your yeah. So up wow. and down the stairs, I didn't have enough money for pictures in frames. I had this thing about music, music, music. So there's a record shop in Barking that did new and second-hand music near the station. Yeah. And I used to go there with Alvin Martin and see these. And then they had some Eagles albums and they had the Eagles individual artist albums that they've, right. they've done. So Don Henley uh, and, and, yep. and, uh, uh, and Bernie Leadon and, and, and what were those? James, G- what's the name there? Uh, Glenn Fry and... Um, uh, oh, gee, mine's gone blank. But yep, go on. Yeah. So they were there and I got Joe Walsh albums Joe Walsh, after that's it. that. Yep, yep. Uh, so that, this uh, 71 to 75, the album cover is of a skull of an eagle on a light blue black background. I know the one you mean. Yep. And... Um, Anyway, apart from liking every song on the this greatest hits album, yep. uh, I had uh, a next door neighbour of my nan <laughs> put together with some plywood a basic frame oh. around five album covers yep. that went up the stairs in my first house in oh. Chapel Heath, and the middle of the five was this album cover. Talking, your prison is one. 
What a song! Mm. I, I, um, I thought you were going to say that because that, the whole song's about you know a guy that keeps a distance and uh, you know you better let somebody love you before it's too late. And I thought you were projecting potentially yourself onto that as a teenager. No, no. that wasn't what you were getting well, from it. Was it. I, I think there's like a lot of songs. I love you. That you can adapt certain lines yes. but it's not a whole song yep. and how you interpret music um and then when you read up and i've read i haven't actually read it all to both i've seen a double documentary on the eagles yep. and how they wrote <clears throat> and what the songs were about um and then the next song that you're going to talk about and there's um there's stop a, trying to coach me enough uh, you put your coaching there's enough away, so. uh, for people to take it as they want it to be That's rather right. than this is about this person and this is this or this is me. Um, it's a beautiful great art there's though, a, There's a, 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 a emotional songs that you can get involved with. Yeah. Um, but so you it's weren't... Not, it's not quite about let somebody love you before it's too late. It wasn't that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just some basics uh, within it. Um Lyrics, like yeah, yeah. That, that's that's easy to remember. I grew up with T Rex when you could remember, get it on, bang a gong, right. get it on, because you and then you you could learn a song in one minute, two yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. You'd you there's a little bit more, even though it's not a very long song. Yeah. Um, but the, there's different levels to it. Um, yep. Well, that, that get you. Stunning. Well, thanks for thanks for picking it. Really, I just think that's nice. Beautiful song. Um, that, that, that this is a, a kind of favourite question of mine. Then is is, and I think you've probably answered it. But um, when you hear a song for the first time, do you hear the lyrics, or do you more hear the music or combination? Um, I think it's probably a combination. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some songs that are very memorable to me because of the lyrics, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of songs are. Are more as they finish than as they start. Right. Have they lifted you and how huh. they fade away from you? Does it make you? Um, has it moved you? Yep. Not always that you want to play it again, but has it moved you? And, and is there there's something that you can relate to it? There's there some songs later on that were nearly we nearly spoke about, like uh, "Fix You" by uh, Coldplay. Yeah, and they, they they think, oh yeah, I got that. I can see that. I can see part of me in that. It's only ever parts. Um, you mean project yourself onto yeah, the, yeah. the the meaning of the song? And yeah, that. yeah. Fix you. So fix you nearly made it to the to the yeah, list. Yeah, that was uh, number ten or eleven. <laughs> and what was your what was your original uh, not so short list? How many did you have on it? Do you reckon? Um, 
I had 12. Yeah. And um, I was in uh, a record store yesterday oh. and I saw um, 101 Motown anthems and I thought, oh, I like yes. a lot of those songs. And I, I yeah. avoided them and um, thinking, oh, I know the first time I went out with uh, a girl that Diana Ross, I'm Still Waiting was out right. and stuff. And right. you sort of think, oh, yeah, that was, I'm associating a song with a time again. Yes. Um, but a lot of uh, first greatest hits um, that I bought properly were Stevie Wonders uh, with yeah. a lot of the early Motown songs on. Yeah. And I liked some of the Jackson 5 stuff and, yes. and whatever. So so those uh, those were the songs yep. you grew up with that you heard on the radio all the time. Yep. And when you first had a car and you only had a radio in the car, mm -hmm. those were getting played most of the time. Yeah. Funny, I said to Tina, when she said, what? what what do you reckon he'll, what songs do you reckon Paul will pick? And I said, well, it's going to be some Springsteen. And I, and I thought about, I thought maybe you go Bob Seger, I, I thought was yeah. on there. I did, I thought yeah, about I'd the Eagles. Have gone, I'd have gone Greatest Hits again. I could have, uh, I could have done so many Greatest Hits. Because uh, some of those songs smart to do were, it. Yeah. But, um, I did, but I did, ex but, sorry, yeah. just to finish my point, uh, the, the um, I did say, I think he really liked some of that sort of Motown, some of the soul mm. stuff. And did you know that they're bringing out a brand new documentary film about Motown yes I saw it Looks and I saw really the stage good. show two years ago ah I think this is all, is it Barry Gordon's the, the sort of the, he, I, I just saw the trailer yesterday yeah. it looks amazing yeah looks amazing. yeah so I saw the stage show and, and really enjoyed it um yeah so that that was um th those remember those albums coming out and <clears throat> we did have at my mum and dad's one or two Motown chart busters because yeah <clears throat> records used to come out so regular every two or three months an artist was bringing another song out that yeah. that uh, yeah there, there was always another one coming so where was this record store they're a, they're a dying breed now oh yeah well no she I mean it's uh, it was a supermarket ah, but they I yeah. sort of I wonder what's uh, around over there yeah and wow well, there's um 101 anthems and I thought well oh, I can't and when I sort of I know that I knew so many of them yeah. it was just well yeah <laughs> All right. Well, let's. So, I don't think you expected this. I think you're expecting us to go somewhere else. But uh, your third choice was actually Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Um, you called it the White Album. I didn't realise that the first one. Their, well, the their al one the was album called... before Rumours. Yeah, so the album was, before this Rumours. This was another. Um, this, carried, this is on, carried on the sequence of I bought Rumours and then I went back and bought the album before it. So, uh, so you've completely bucked. The trend, or not the trend, sorry. The, you've bucked what I think ninety nine percent of people that love Fleetwood Mac would do, which is go rumours. But you've yeah. picked you've picked Rhiannon, which also means because you've already said this, you you are thinking about being on this space station with the albums. That's why you yeah. pick the album. So you're saying that as a whole, that album is in your head is the, better than or preferable. Yeah, only only, only fractionally, mm. um, only fractionally, and probably. You know, there's so little in between it, and I love "Go Your Own Way." Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, just Rhiannon, Gold Dust Woman, oh, one or two yes. others, and I think okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and I felt, I felt that I bought Rumours and liked it, but so did everybody at that time. Sure. I felt a bit different <laughs> to have bought the album before it and thought, hey, this is where this group of five actually started together. Yes. Um, and every couple of years, I watched it too, uh, last week, the documentary yeah. on 
Fleetwood Mac or a documentary yeah. on the making of Rumours. I've seen it so many times and I've read Mick Fleetwood's book and oh, is it good? I've seen Stevie Nicks live and... Paul yeah. nodded, Mick, if you're listening. Paul nodded, yeah. he likes your book. Um, that, uh, I know, yeah, there are different types of songs. I didn't, but without... Um, I felt that there's... Uh, I didn't feel I that these songs were, they were just songs and great musicianship and they stuck with you rather than, and they had some super meaning because I didn't really think, well, Gold Dust Woman might be about drugs or this one might be about that. Yep. I just took them for the quality of the music. Yes. I liked the voice. The sound of the I voice, I liked yeah. the harmonies <clears throat> as most of those songs uh Harmonies are important, like the with the Eagles and whatever, and these were a follow on from that. Yeah. Um, so, did you ever yeah. see that documentary um, that that um, Dave Grohl made about the, um, the studio in in uh, in Los Angeles and all that? It, flip. Oh God, Sound City. Sound City was the mm. name of the documentary. You'd love that, and the reason is because I believe. Buckingham Knicks, when they, you know, that brilliant album, Buckingham Knicks, I don't know if you've got that as well, but um, when they set up this studio, it must have been 75, um, they were, I think, kind of guinea pigs to test out the new studio and the new um, console. And I believe the story went, Mick Fleetwood was kind of hanging around and went, and and, and went, who's, who's, who's that? Uh, guy and girl in there oh, that's uh, Lindsay Buckingham Stevie Nicks and then when he came to put together the band you're talking about he remembered yeah in that studio and the, and and Dave Grohl put this thing together and it just goes through the history of this studio and the amazing people anyway so Rhiannon um, so you, you got rumours you went back one mm. you got and it sounds like Stevie Nicks voice Stevie really Nicks does voice, it for you yeah um, yeah right down to the um if uh, our first child, Pete, had been a girl, it would have been Sarah. <laughs> and there was two songs, Sarah. One was Fleetwood Mac at the time, and the uh, other one is a brilliant song, Sarah Smile by <laughs> Hall and Oates. I just listen. I'm just. I'm just thinking of Pete's face as he as he hears this. Yeah, he'll have to work that into his act somewhere. Yeah. We should give him. A, we should give him a plug, shouldn't we? <laughs> Look out for Peter Brush. He's a brilliant stand-up comic. Um, okay, I thought you were going to say you were going to call him Rhiannon. Um, no. Okay. So. When you hear this song, what does it what does it take you to? What is it? Where does it take you? I think it, the um, the the late teenage years with um, um, just uh, music was so huge. There wasn't so much internet and mm. no mobiles and that. And music meant a lot, and you That's right. you you played. You, you got up and you put music on. Mm -hmm. during the day it wasn't mm -hmm. well late night we'll just go and sit and do that and you went out of your way to do it so this album and the other Fleetwood Mac album I would record on a cassette because I only had a cassette in the car and then I'd play that in the car and you didn't just it's a little yeah. speaker a little yeah. microphone in front of the speaker yeah. and, and all that yeah yeah who was the um in when you went into that amazing sort of changing room music's always been important, right, for footballers. Yeah, it wasn't, was. wasn't at the beginning when I played, that was too long ago. Um, 
So there, there was not that. There's later on when I was coaching the stuff that I used to put stuff on and. What about the coaches uh, though? They long coach trips to away games uh, and all that. You'd you'd have to go and put that your earphones on. The radio might be on. Right. So right. you were going to get radio two, whatever it was. It wasn't like Billy Bonds march down the front seat. No, we were there listening was nothing. To this. No, nothing no like there that. was. Uh, that that was the one area where there wasn't as much. And you said it was a much more of an individual <clears throat> thing if you were going to okay. do that or um, read a book rather than go to sleep or play cards. <laughs> you did mention Alvin Martin and you guys. Mm. Was he a bit of a, a comrade in arms in terms of music? Though? Yeah, yeah. So Alvin liked uh, the Eagles. In fact, I bought the third album off him for some reason. I can't yeah. understand why. Um, so, yeah, so he was, uh, he was very much into that. And as I say, we used to know this record stop embarking and say, uh, and I... Uh, we bought some obscure things between us. I bought a Helen Reddy album there, I can remember, and yeah, yeah. a lot, a lot of stuff. When um, and and then you would buy something, and then sort of you get to that where you might swap. Have a listen to this. Do you think that's your cup of tea? Yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, if you could around that time, you know what you were interested in, and you try something out. I, I got into. Um, Super Tramp after that, oh. by buying Crime of the Century in that the second hand element, and then ended up buying six or seven yeah. over a period of yeah. time Super Tramp albums yeah. and liking some of the songs off the other albums yeah. more than Crime of the Century, even though it had Dreamer on it. Did they come close, Super Tramp? Yeah, list, yeah, so? they they there's if you'd have been on songs, there's a song called Hide in Your Shell, which is a long song that's mm. just on an album, would have been ahead of Dreamer. Mm. on individual songs but okay. yeah so they didn't uh, yeah. alright well let's get back to uh, right. Stevie shall we in Fleetwood Fleetwood Mac
So you, you started to, um, uh, to talk about, um, you know, uh, buying your own, buying your own house, um, and all that. I want to jump forward a little bit just to make it, just to, just to bring us into the eighties and, and, and moving, moving here. Um, and, and we'll keep it about the music. Um, we'll keep it about the music. And what I wanted to talk about was, uh, I, again, like it's my podcast. I don't care. So I'll say like the first CD player I ever listened to was, was yours. It was yours. And I, I just, you know, Paul used to, um, get me to ba- or allow me to babysit, um, <laughs> when you called it that, we called it the other way around. <laughs> um, you know, and so, um, we, and I love, always love looking after your kids, of course, especially, you know, Charlotte, I don't feel like, cause I'd moved away from home, but it was especially Pete when he was a baby and then James and, um, and it was great when they were awake, but when they went to sleep, I would, I would just be in heaven because you had this new thing called a CD player. And you couldn't scratch that. Like <laughs> Touche. Oh, well, I thought I'd slip that one past you. I'm so glad I didn't ask you if you could remember which album that would have killed me if you remembered. Um, but anyway. Michael McDonald and Roxy <laughs> Music were two of the first CDs I bought. Is that right? Yeah. I remember listening to Money for Nothing over and over again, over and over again. But, like, but again, it's not about me. What was, for you, what was that transition? We both still listen to albums. We both love that. And you, you still listen. I've listened to CDs. But do you remember that, that, that how, did, how did it sound to you, going from analogue to digital, first time getting that sound? I suppose it was a bit, seemed a bit clear and a bit more um, clinical and then I, th- I thought in the end you, you're preserving them because you've got little kids and they might end up on the floor or whatever <laughs> um, and they took up less room yes uh, but it, it was it was a major change yeah to um, and and then you were conscious that you'd had so many albums years ago, they're not all suddenly going to come on CD. And if yeah. they were, you couldn't afford to buy them all. Yeah. So you, you were going to need a record player and a CD player. That's you right. weren't, one wasn't replacing the other for no. you. No. In hindsight, it was like the biggest con in the music industry, wasn't it? They, was it five, six pound for an album on, mm. on vinyl? And then all of a sudden it was 10, 11, 12 yep. quid on And then suddenly there was a big revolt and it actually went down from about. That was about thirteen pound. I went back to eleven, and the weird thing is they've stayed that price That's in right. this country for fifteen, twenty years. Yeah. And what I'm looking at yesterday, they're between ten and twelve pound an album. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. Yeah, amazing. But that um, I, I can't remember what was the what was the CD player you had. I can't. What what system did you have? Do you remember? Uh, no. Can't remember. I can't, I can't remember. It just said Dolby on the corner. I didn't know what that meant. Yeah, that meant you're supposed to get a better sound. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was certainly not not one memory. That was certainly a series of memories. Was was going through your CD and record collection while while you went out and had dinner or whatever. Um, good times. I think this next, well, certainly the album is kind of almost. There was a few, wasn't there? There was Peter Gabriel, you know, the one with Sledgehammer. There was there mm. was Dire Straits, Money for Nothing, and then there was U two, Joshua Tree, and they kind of fit that. Now we've got CDs. Now we've got MTV. It was all tied up, wasn't it, in that mid eighties? I think so. I think so. That so there was their their visual interpretation of their songs, mm-hmm. um, whereas in the past you just had yours. 
And if you didn't read the lyrics, you normally made a couple of words up different to what they actually <laughs> right, were. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah there, there was, um, yeah, this the pop video come uh, film made that different, and you 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 watched it because that was it was music on the television, but it it took an interpretation um, and some of your imagination was, <clears throat> hold on, do they really think it's like that? Okay. Are they leaving you to see it how you want to see it or is that what it's really about? There was obviously songs from you 2 that started to listen to and thought, yeah, okay, I know what Sunday Bloody Sunday is about. Yep. Um, one of my favourite songs, and I hadn't heard it for years, I heard it the other day, is Bad. And there's a, there's a short very short because it was only one ninety nine when I bought it. A live album, their first live album and bad. Oh. So there's only four songs on it, and oh. um, so I'd got. Hold on, I like that. I like that, um, and it, it was enough emotion and more rock music that it was. It was did find you two different to a lot of bands that were around at that time. So it didn't sound like anybody else. Yeah, that's right. Um, and like with a lot of the music, then you go and see them. Yeah. So I saw them at Wembley Arena oh. and the two, yeah, probably um, the acts that I've seen to come away thinking, wow, that they, they, they had the audience in the palm of their hand. Right. There, you felt part of the show. They weren't distant people. Um, was uh, came away with a real feel for for their music, mm. and just found this song. Yeah. Um, really, um, just resonated and got yeah. Um, so holding your side, I, I get, was... I get, I get. <clears throat> is it, it's a rock song that's a love song and yeah. um, emotions um, of uh, being with someone and, and reasons for not being them, whether you're away at work or they, you can't be with them. Um, yeah, just uh, okay. love this song. And, and some other different types of songs on the album and you know, years later, I see a documentary on how it was made and where it was, and you know, they this the whole album, yeah, the, yeah. Um, so, so but there's some just there's some really that. interesting tracks as you go along. But just but to, this is sorry to interrupt again, but but just you said something then, and I just wanted to check. You said one of two, so are you saying Springsteen and you two are the yeah, two, the two, the two live acts that were different, not that the Who weren't fantastic and I wanted to go again I wanted to go again the next day yeah. but th there was a difference in how the I felt how uh, you were at one with them um, they were on your level mm. uh, and they were they were better than the albums wow the live yeah. live mm -hmm. to get stuff's better than the albums and also not be the same. They yeah. change. They change. 
chords and different parts of the songs and a different rhythm to something um, that they enhanced that a record was a statement that but they took you on a journey when you went to an, a, a concert beautiful all right so with or without you
didn't get your water. We were supposed no, to get water. That. And you were just right. giving me again right. pearls. I'm, Paul keeps telling me all this good stuff in between bloody when the songs are playing. All right, no, stop. Just wait. I'm in charge of this interview now. You're not a coach in this moment, all right? I'm asking you something, okay? And this is your now. You can tell me to sling my hook mm. or not, but as a as a as such a professional interviewer that you've already seen, I am. Now we've just been talking about Wembley. And you said arena, I like to see them. And then you've just been saying in between, while that song was playing about experiences going to Wembley Stadium, and you and I went to see the Amnesty International, and that was, if I'm right, Sting, uh, Peter Gabriel, uh, Tracy Chapman, uh, Chapman, obviously Bruce. But you know, you know, I'm going with Wembley now, don't mm. you? Now you've t- I've I've sat in a church hall in Arrowwood and 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 heard you talk very movingly about your experience, all experiences. At Wembley, you, you can say no, I don't want to talk about it now, or you can you can record it for your great great grandchildren now, or, or or not. It's it's a it's a big effort, I know. Well, you got Wembley when you go to a concert, and you got Wembley when you go to football. All right, um, but you know what so, I'm talking about with yeah. football, don't you? Yeah. So, Do you, can you be? Uh, can you? Can you? How can we, how <laughs> can we go? Because if I had a pound for every time anyone oh, said know, to me, "Did you play for West Ham in 1980 Cup final?" and you go. Uh, no, I was sub, but there was only one sub in those days and I didn't get on, but I'd played in every round and only 13 different players played in the whole competition for West Ham Jeez. and I played more minutes than probably seven or eight of them, but I didn't get on in the cup final. So the biggest day of my life didn't quite happen. Um, so you have that, um, what's your favourite game? And I say a cup semi-final, whereas... Yeah the 11 other people that I see every now and then that played in that game that I'm friends with, or most of them I'm friends with, if you like, um, that's their, that was their biggest day. Yep. So it was a life lesson to because I had expected to play. It's made a huge difference probably to my belief that I was going to play and how I saw things. Um, and you were a bit robbed and so was my family yeah. and you didn't know till the day before and oh. most people, God. even the players, most players expected me to play. So there's a lot of reasons why I shouldn't have been confident to play in, um, but the, the <clears throat> circumstances of being told on a Friday lunchtime oh. that you're not in the team or just the team's announced and I had an hour to go home and then get back to West Ham's ground to get on a coach to go to the hotel, where it was pretty difficult. Um, and then to spend the ho- time at the hotel and the Saturday morning and the game was all, some of it's a blur. Yep. Some, um, okay. So some it's, of- not, it's not my happiest day. Obviously happy that West Ham won and it's now virtually 40 years since West Ham won a trophy um, and so over the years I've been to enough um, reunions, yep. um, men's evenings, dinners that um, it softens it each time. I don't always say I look forward to going and talking about it because yep. everyone says what's it feel like not to play in something and then I get um, when I'm around the other players, I get I was a major part because there was 
third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, two semi-finals. So there's six six games before that at least. Um, so you're, I feel part of it, and again the as the disappointment would only be half as bad if I'd have played half a minute. Yes. But I didn't play half a minute, and I'm more gutted than not playing half a minute of running on and if I hadn't touched the ball, you could yeah. have said you played. Yes. Although you might have not been quite telling the truth. Um, so that wasn't. The, and you warmed up, is that right? You, I warmed up so many times. The video <sighs> of the game shows me running up and down so much. Um, and I did some good things. The final whistle went, and I ran on the pitch, and I never wore the tracksuit. So all the photos of the game afterwards and holding a cup of uh, I'm just one of the players because I felt one of the players. I didn't have a tracksuit top on. Yeah. Um, but it was a day that you'd always dream of as a kid and yeah. it was sort of like snatched away from you. But you were there, but you weren't in it, on it yeah. or whatever. So can you put a silver lining on it in any way now? Um used to watch other cup finals and look for a person who wasn't playing that had played in previous games and realise you weren't the only one. Mm -hmm. People that I realised over the years were injured for the final and missed out. So I looked at people that missed stuff out for Roy Keane to miss out on a European cup final because he was suspended with Paul Skulls. I sort of thought, well, I I think I know how he feels. Um, But the, the... not taking things for granted was a thing that sort of like stuck with you, that you expect something to go on like that. Uh, and a two, two big, that's the second, that's the biggest career moment. Yeah. The other biggest moment, the, the, the two of those I didn't expect to happen. So if you learn more from things that happen or, but don't understand really deep down why they did, well, it's how you get over them, how you retain your self and how you want to be and don't let one or two moments in life define you. Um, I don't know whether to thank you or apologise for making you go there again. but um... I say, I, There's um, two months' time down the road to the next, next reunion. Um, when you say and so that's uh, it's nice to see the other players where is that is that West no that's that's one in Romford they're doing a small one but there's two next year um, at least and there was one last year at uh, Cliffs Pavilion with 1500 people where you're standing on the stage talking about it again so you're talking about it again but the players just like you, you're just one of them, and you you yeah. come back now to thinking of football as a squad game and stuff, yeah. Yeah. and that you were part of something, part of something that hasn't happened again. Um, but one of the, the only other consoling thing that I did afterwards, I thought I'm only 22, I've got 10 years or so to get in a cup final again. Yeah, that's but fine. for <laughs> there ain't that many teams and that many players that do, yeah, that's fine. and so if you don't. You know, the, um, yeah, so, so it affected, um, affected my mum really badly, I think. Yeah. From, um, but. Because she um, was hurting you know. for her son. Yeah, yeah. So I can, you know, I can understand when something doesn't happen for your kids that, that you thought and you come from the area. Yep. Um, and in those days, football, you know, if all the, around the streets, it was all 
pictures and rosettes and That's stuff right. all in the windows yep. and stuff like that. It was a huge thing. Huge. And also, West Ham were in a lower division to Arsenal mm. and won. So That's actually, right. it was a huge upset as well as, you know, what an individual thought or something. Yep. Um, but my story ends up saying... We played on the Saturday. We went out in London on the Saturday night. We got up Sunday morning and got on a bus and did a tour of East London. And then we went home Sunday afternoon and we flew up to Sunderland on the Monday morning and had to play on the Monday night. And lo and behold, Paul Brush played 90 minutes on the Monday. And he didn't play none on the Saturday. And that's like... You know? Look, I mean, rest in peace, John Lyle, but um, was, was there any sense, you know, when he goes, right, all right, Brushy, you're, you're on in, you know, the bloody northeast on, on Monday. Was he? Did he seem at all embarrassed or...? Um... I don't think so. And I went and saw him during the summer and said, like, why didn't I play and stuff like that? And he gave a couple of reasons. And then the bottom reason is, you know, well, we won, didn't we? So, right. so right, which right, is right. Um, what happened. There was, there was certain things later on where he did a lot more for me than that. Yeah. Uh, and all I said where that summer or whatever, a week after the final or whatever, I uh, said where the Charity Shield will be in August in whatever, 10 weeks' time. I said, you won't be leaving me out of that. And I trained all summer and I played in the Charity Shield. So the Charity Shield against Liverpool um, a couple of months later was my cup final. Yep. And we lost, but that was about me. And boy, there were some good players playing for Liverpool oh that day. Oh, my goodness. But that was, that was my cup final to do, to do that. Um, and it did give and you, so, your parents their day at Wembley. Yeah, the day at Wembley and, and I played. And whatever, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. I, I'm glad you said, well, no. I'm glad about. Glad's not the right word. I'm 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 happy uh, that we could uh, record the story because, you know, maybe you can just press play now when someone asks yeah. you, you know. But uh, just to explain for people that perhaps, um, you know, don't remember pre-internet and all that, um, probably as you said, you, you mentioned Roy Keane and Skulls get you know missing out in the Champions League '99, Fergie time. You know, they beat uh, Milan and all that. Probably. In those days, the FA Cup, well, not probably, the FA Cup was absolutely as big, if not bigger, than the Champions League is today in the minds of people. Yeah, there was only one team in the Champions League because it was only just for the champions of the country. The European Cup. Um, so, yeah, so the, 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 the FA Cup final was the biggest day, the biggest day out. Yeah. A thing that from a kid, you'd watch the TV from midday. That's right. You'd had a three-hour build-up because when you were a young kid, that was the only game that was shown live. Yep. That's right. Um, yeah. And rather, you had ITV or BBC. now, it's one of those games shown live out of the 10 that are on that week. That's and right. That's, a, that's a, the difference and significance in time. Yeah. Um, but the significance for West Ham people and why they come to these reunion evenings is that there was an affinity between the that's players right. because there were a lot of locals between the players and supporters that's not there anymore. And... The supporters uh, love a bit of success, and that's West Ham's last bit of silverware forty years ago. So, until 
until they win a trophy, I think these type of unions will probably carry on. I think they will. And the thing you're, I'll say for you, because you're, you're far too much of a gentleman and you're too classy to say it, is that um, in those days you didn't have the, the mercenaries who dropped in from some distant place in France for mm. one season. Clear on, up. Their, on their railway journey through football That's career. That's yeah. it. Yeah, it, was, you know. it was... Uh, yeah, so, so a lot of us, if you looked at that 12... You know, there was four, three, four or five of us that were local yep. um, that would, you could walk down the high street as it were. It was a yep. different, it's a different world time to what now is. Yep. Um, but there was an association with these supporters and that's why they still want to come to these events. There are people yep. that were like you who wished they were you. That's right. Yeah. Because you, you were our heroes and, and, mm. um, in a very and you lived around the corner as or you grew up around yeah, the corner yeah but it was it wasn't like um i can google and go a daily mail and see so and so stumbling out of a nightclub mm. it was like oh look they actually they they yeah. are one of us sort of thing mm. for people in australia um and loads of them obviously love football but it just occurred to me that you know they talk about the Melbourne Cup as a horse race that stops a nation. And FA Cup was absolutely stopped a nation, didn't yeah. it? You couldn't, there was no cars driving around or anything no. when the game no. was on. It was huge. No, and then everybody loves an upset and an underdog yep. in this country. This country loves an underdog. Yep. And that was, uh, as I say, a different division. At the, whenever we have reunions, we, you have to remind yourself that we were in a different division because you That's didn't right. feel like we weren't going to be able to win. But We'd won quarter final against Aston Villa, semi final against Everton, and the That's final it. against Arsenal, and they were three of the biggest teams oh, in the top yeah. division, and we weren't even promoted that year from the division below. It's crazy. But you never felt—I don't know—there there was an air of this, you know, of belief that you could win through each round, and that's that's where it's happened. So, on off of uh, internet. I have watched highlights of the quarterfinals, semi-finals, loads of times. <laughs> and you said your fa- your favorite. I think I've heard you say it's your in your mind your your best game or your favorite game in your career was the semi-final win against Everton. Yeah, the the, the replay and and just uh, that was up at Leeds, uh, and you can remember that the first uh, the first semi-final was on a Saturday at Aston Villa, and oh, yeah. between the family and a few friends, we hired a coach. <laughs> To, to go right. and then I came back with them on the coach on, their coach <laughs> on the family instead, coach on the family coach oh. and it conked out against Hill <laughs> Did and we it? were sitting there at 10, 11 o'clock at night waiting for a coach to come and catch the coach you just got into the FA Cup yeah. final yeah, yeah and you got, you got a replay in a couple of days time that yeah. is funny yeah you didn't uh, wow. yeah that was uh yeah, that, that was, uh, yeah, so that was because you'd got family and friends come in and, and whatever. And football was different then from the type of football. When you watch the highlights, the goalkeeper picks up a back pass and there's there's an offside goal given against West Ham that wouldn't be offside now. Uh, you know, the rules were different. It was a different time. Um, but um, for West Ham supporters, it's magical and they're close to calling everybody in the 12, you know, close to being legends because you were part of that right. year or day as opposed to you were part of 10, 15 years at the club. Because you was involved in that day, which has been their biggest day for 40 years, um, you know, that, 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 that's grown 
um, not just um, the the hero worship That's of right. Billy Bonds and Trevor Brooking because yeah. they played loads of games and had stands named after them and became managers there. It's It covers that group, 12, 13 players. Does, do you remember, I mean, there was a fella I met, we went on, went to a holiday camp, mum and dad and me and a few friends, went, uh, met a fella called um, Danny Floyd who was mad, you know, he cut his arm and Claret and Blue ran, mad keen uh, West Ham fan and I just remember telling him, uh, I think you know, at some point, I know, I'm next door to Paul Brush, and he, and he nearly fell over when mm. I told him. And he came and visited here, and and he was he had the gift of the gab. I haven't seen Danny for years, but I just remember him being absolutely shocked in the silence when he met you, because because he, he he couldn't believe it. It mm. was it was like he just met one of his all-time heroes and he just couldn't I mean you're off, I remember you dealing with him very graciously you're often you're obviously used to fans and things but it was just lovely to see that sort of uh, hero worship in action yeah as I say that I, I think young kids can have got the hero worship of the big players now but there were more adults associated with people yeah. then than they do now because of such a distance in accessibility being able to speak to anyone, talk to anyone, yeah. get an autograph. Yeah. Um, you know, the, 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 there's a huge gap now. When you said about what John Lyle said to you about, you know, the, well, we won one nil, whatever the, the way it went, it occurred to me that your experience was, was similar to Jimmy Greaves's. Yeah. Yeah. I never, I didn't really think of that at the time, but since when, um, yeah, but, you do, you got to get away from that now because that something comes back a bit later on. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. So. What about Greavesy? Well, yeah, in a, right, in a way, right. in a way. Uh, well, you just tell me, mate, as so the interviewee, when when it's okay <laughs> to I'll ask the question. I will tell you when I right? can tell okay. you. Okay, all right, all right. Let's get a song. <laughs> That's <going>. a good. <laughs> all right. Well, look, we finally get to Bruce. All right. Um, now, um, you've gone born, born to run the album, but you've gone Thunder Road, and I know amongst Bruce sort of acolytes. Mm. Thunder Road and Born to Run the song are almost neck and neck aren't they yeah there's um, um, they're both about escapism getting away from where they are mm -hmm. um, they've both got um, meaning for a, an ordinary person to understand it's not complicated um, but there's a togetherness. They're with someone. Are they satisfied with what they've got? Or are you going to push yourself to get on and get out, but it's down to you? Someone else ain't giving it for you. Okay. Someone else ain't doing it for you. You've got to uh, trust or uh, go for it if you want to succeed. You've got to not... Uh, they're not songs of settling for where you are. So that's where I saw stuff and you okay. see stuff okay. within football. Um, like if you take another job later on in football, do you, you you've got a, you're stepping out into the unknown. You're trusting in the people where you're going um, and your judgment. Um, but it's down to you to go for it. Um, so... Some of the songs, this is another, like a lot of the others, it's a, another artist where I sort of went backwards. Mm -hmm. um, 
So individual songs I heard, um, Born to Run song itself, yes. mid 70s, 75, 76. Um, I'd first heard Bruce songs sung by Manfred Mann when I was living at home at 14 or 15 wow. with Blinded by the Light huh. and Spirit in the Night. Um, and the Hollies singer did a version of Born to Run in the late 70s. Graham Nash? Uh, no. Um, um, the other bloke, the, um, yeah, I know the one, I know the one you mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, uh, there was uh, Dancing in the Dark and one or two other songs. That I, Dancing in the Dark I bought as a single. Uh, then Born in the USA was coming out <laughs> and singles were coming off of that. And that was in the era of the 12-inch single. And you got a different song on the other side That's to right. what was on the albums. Yeah. Um, and so in that period of uh, late 70s, I bought a lot of 12-inch singles. Spandau Ballet True, mm. um, Lionel Richie um, uh, songs. And there, there was some of the... Bruce had a few of those. There, there was a, a number of 12-inch singles. And then going backwards to think, after getting a couple of albums and really liking them and seeing... Liking the stories, it was like someone was yes. telling a story uh, and there was the quality of musicianship and I'd always liked, uh, one of the first albums that was close to getting in was Meatloaf But Out Hill, oh. which I bought in Rathbone Market off a stall in, <laughs> it had been out two years and I realised it had been in the top 100 for 100 weeks mm. when I bought it Crazy. and I loved the piano, I liked the lyrics in Meatloaf. Yeah. Uh, and I loved the piano, and it turned out the piano player was in Bruce's band. Huh. Um, so that was another thing. Oh, I like, I like this. The individual musicianship was good. There was um, enough down-to-earth songs and a, a way of interpreting some of it yourself. Mm -hmm. So there was a framework. Yep. It wasn't a defined song. It was a framework. Um, mm -hmm. And um, so... Thunder Road was the first track and Born to Run was at the end. So the, uh, the album is easy to listen to, but Thunder Road sets the album up. Mm -hmm. um, Nick Hornby had it in his favourite seven songs because mm. I read that book. Um, <laughs> and it was... So it's yeah. my favourite. It doesn't, it doesn't get played as often as some of the others because right. it's not as catchy. But there's there's bits that are important, um, and it's about stepping out of your comfort zone. So where oh. so uh, loud and clear, I'm getting um, that you know to an extent you're 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 um, you're a dreamer in the best possible sense, and you're using these song, some of these songs to inspire you and mm. putting yourself your own situation on them, mm. and using them to lift you or you know, or, in, or to yeah. keep you going. Yeah, in, inspirational without having to think I. I suppose at the time I didn't have to get out of anywhere or I didn't have to leave anywhere as such. Yes. I was living where I wanted to and I was playing football and stuff like that. So there, um, but the, the song has stayed with me over 20 odd years. Um, and the rest, mate. And the rest. But it also has, when it's associated with memories, like a lot of the songs, um, this was on a tape. This was on a tape in a car mm. in 1985. 
Oh. And Pete was first born, was four months old. Um, my first wife, Marilyn, and we went somewhere like strawberry picking with my sister and her husband. And we did that. A couple of days later, we saw Bruce at Wembley Stadium. <laughs> and a couple of weeks after that, Marilyn went in for the operation because she had leukemia to have a bone marrow transplant, which didn't work out. And um, she died of a brain hemorrhage a few weeks later. So it's the last song that I associate with being out with her and my sister. And so it has an extra significance in that. And so I can actually defined the week in 1985 when it was I suppose so that that was the song that was playing going to concerts now there's a song that reminds me more about her than this song but this song has stayed with me because this is about what can I do that's best what can I break out from so it has a lot of meaning and a lot of memory and a lot of emotion and Bruce then brings out another song that's a follow-up to that which is also a little bit moving but it doesn't it gets me emotionally but it doesn't upset me so there's a difference so you should play it now
Um, right. I was, try- <laughs> I was trying to think, where the hell do I go from here? What do, what do I say? We've still got two more songs to go. We've picked up the pace a little bit. Do you want a biscuit? No, biscuit. Some more turn a bit. It's uh, nice remembering times with a purpose clearly. Yes. It's not like half remembering bits and pieces and um, it's not a thing that you can, you know, that, that, that you know. Sometimes it's nice to talk about something uh, and know that it's still clear in your mind. Yes. And that that's a much more positive thing to be talking about yes it might be harder for other people to listen but lots of people have heartache in their life but that that was a happy day going where yep. we went and knowing that that was on a cassette and going to those concerts and the only time in 22 shows I ever walked out before the end of a Bruce Springsteen concert because my sister and brother-in-law had to go to work the next day and they were still playing Twist and Shout when we came down the steps. And that's the only the other things that I remember around that time. But there's a lot of things with Marilyn's operation and how brave she was and how she kept it away from me, how horrendous um, radiotherapy was um, and some other things where... One day with the treatment, she didn't know where I was when I went to visit. There's there's a lot of uh, draws of um, unfortunate, upsetting, not great to remember that are there because they're so clear there. But that, that was a, a real positive thing to go uh, to go along with when the, the, that period of time was a period of anxiety. Um, and for someone to be told they had leukemia during a pregnancy and what that really means. So part of that really means that if Marilyn hadn't got pregnant, she wouldn't have probably got leukemia because she didn't have it just before. Um, but then we wouldn't have Pete. That's right. You can get very deep and you, you can be swimming around there. So I, I try not to go there. There's reasons that I don't understand. It gave me... A faith, because one day I want to say to God, "Why did that happen?" Mm-hmm. And, and unless you're going to go somewhere, you can't. Okay. Um, and, and when I didn't I, know that, I'd never heard yeah. you say that before. When I came back from the hospital after um, Marilyn died, I took Pete out for a walk because he was staying with my in-laws, and I told him what had happened. He was only he was wasn't even six months, yes. and I told him and. I'd, we stood in a park and I told him everything was going to be all right. And I don't know why I said it, but I actually believed it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. th- those, those emotions are there yeah. and they don't, they don't come out in a bad way in that song. Uh, there's a song called Bobby Jean, which is on Born in the USA, yeah. that when that's played at a concert, it's often played at the end of a concert. That is the song that, I remember Marilyn by because there's just enough in that and if you ever listen to the lyrics of that it's about someone who's no longer there that gets me Thunder Road is much more of a positive memory of a happy day if you like I understand I I remember obviously I remember a lot of that time Um, and 
I remember. I remember a lot of that time. I, me- I remember Marilyn. I remember her voice and her face, and, and I remember um, a sense. I remember a, not me so much, but I remember Mum and Dad, and especially Mum, my Mum, that is, just just sort of seeing her step up and 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 feeling that it it, it really sort of you know hadn't known you very long. I can't remember what under a year was it maybe, and I just remember you know I I felt like. It was it was like an introduction to adulthood or something. It was like there was some something changed. It was my first experience, really. You know, my grandparents had, had passed. You know, um, and two of them had by then. But you know, um, I, out of it, and 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 obviously it's, this is your story. But out of it, you know, came this tremendous bond. Um, you know, between us. And between my mum and dad and you and, and yeah, and, there was that, that bit of um, them always being there. A bit like when we first moved in next door, yeah. they were there within an hour of moving in, <laughs> and they they were there when um, you, you know, dipped. there was a lot of things happened in '85 and uh, that weren't all positive. You know, mm-hmm. my granddad died, my mum's sister died, my mum and dad split up. And oh, then yeah. that happened. You think it was only two thirds through the year. Then we're thinking, what's going to happen now? But yeah, so so they were talk about people there that you can lean on um, was important. Um, and obviously, in the back of your mind, you had to get away from being too self-centered because you had a six-month-old son. And right. hey, what are you going to do best for him? That's how, right. how do I? What do I do? I'm a footballer. How am I going to play football and look after a six-month-old son? How are we going to get through that? But things started to fall into place. And John Lyle, who my mum didn't love because of the cup final yep. five years before, went out of his way and it was a massive help to me. And we ended up with a young nanny that looked after yeah. Pete within a couple of months so that I could go to training and try and be a footballer again. Um, and some things fell into place. Simone, we should mention. Yeah, should Simone mention was Simone. brilliant. Um, um, and things f- happened and things that you weren't sure, but things were happening. So I, I was, um, there's, a, there's a quote that I gave last year um, that was, uh, God, you better help me because I can't. I'm not clever enough to deal with this myself. <laughs> and I felt that over that period, certain things went into place, including I went to Crystal Palace to play football on loan because West Ham team had been settled since the summer when I hadn't been training because Marilyn was in hospital, and I got a fresh start at Crystal Palace and I became a senior player. Yep. And I drove an hour and a half to training every day and I worked. I worked things out in my head if I could. Yep and an hour and a half back um and then i had pete once i got home late afternoon so um i worked a lot of things out but things were happening enough for me to um have positivity and fortunately someone took a chance on me steve coppola at crystal palace um who a couple of years before I'd been playing against for West Ham against Man United, um, he took a chance that I could concentrate on football and concentrate on a football pitch. Um, And 
for me, that was an excellent move. It helped you, did it, in yeah, some way? Yeah, um, I negotiated my own contract after three months to go there. There was no agent no or agent. anything. Is that right? You had no yeah. agent? No, I worked it out, and I got, I got a payoff, so I got this, that, and the other, and I worked it all out. And the worst thing, as bad as one day in my football career was not playing in a cup final, the worst for me is at Crystal Palace, where I felt really happy they were second tier side um was i got three bad injuries in two seasons and in the end they bought someone to replace me so i knew i was when i got fit i wasn't going to get back in there but i had four months out with an achilles tendon injury um did you you snap it did you snap no No. but tendonitis for four months damn i know that um I had a knee ligament injury that they thought I'd snapped it, but I hadn't. And I'd had a thigh muscle where I was playing in a game at Reading and I thought someone had shot me. Uh, um, so they were This is back to the injection days, is it? When you no, had the, it's no, not the same muscle? No, no. Um, so they, they were all within 18 months, two years of those, those injuries. <laughs> that was... Uh, that's the worst time for injuries that really affected my football career. But around that time, 85 to 87, there was enough going on and enough positivity with friends, help, support, people around me. And then, um, and also I got together with a nurse that used to look after Marilyn and Sue was a nurse at, London Hospital where Marilyn had been treated and eventually we got together and she then adopted Pete Then we eventually before I left Crystal Palace we'd got married and then we had two more children together which obviously become the love of your lives and just to be clear for everyone that's listening now uh, when all of this like when 16 lifetimes worth of heartache and adventure and everything happens, you're now, how old are you at this stage? Um, I was 27 when Marilyn died. She <sighs> was 27. Um, and then I stayed at Palace till I was 30. And then I got transferred to Southend, which was down the road to us. Yeah. A lot closer to, to um, Crystal Palace. And then I had a couple of years there. Um, Talk about lots yeah. of lifetimes lived by that. Mm. So the age of thirty, you've you've already done for good, bad, everything else in between. You've already lived more lifetimes than most people would do. Well, and then, <laughs> and, then say, and then as I say, from from what happens and what goes on, um, you know, very often there's a soundtrack to your life. Yeah, and certain songs at different times get you into reminding you of different periods of course so obviously there was some songs to it to it from that time um that were more individual songs yeah songs i hear on the radio now uh john wait missing you oh, yeah. was that. in that period yeah. in that was 1985 so that you always i remember a time when i hear that song which is still played a lot on the radio stations i listen to um and and you know other other songs a little bit later from the final countdown on different stuff um, to Whitney Houston's songs when I was with Sue and um, 
Yeah. So so that there, there's things that move that that that's an easy and a good reminder of uh, where where you were at that time. I remember you still. I remember you. Now that you mention it, I remember you telling me uh, about missing you, John Way. You know. Back mm. back in the day, yeah. and, and and saying that, I remember you telling me that now. Oh, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna just um, put a pause. You've got two more songs to go, but I'm gonna ask you if you came up with a, a film and a luxury item. Yeah, the film. In the end, the film was. Um, I've never. Uh, I've been to the cinema four times in the last fifteen years, and two Is of that them true. So two two <laughs> of them have been Bruce Springsteen stuff. Wow. Um, Okay. So, okay. Um, I did not know that about you. Um, so, what I've come up with is uh, there was a film out a couple of years ago about Bobby Moore called yes. I don't even know 66. what it was sixty six. Yep. I think I yep. don't know if it was just Bobby Moore more 66 than a number. I think sixty six. Yeah. Um, so um, brilliant document. That over the last few days has been stayed in my mind as the film yep. because um, when I was eight, England won the World Cup. I uh, watched it in black and white at my parents' house. Um, watched every game, was absorbed by it all. When I moved uh, nine months ago to come here, found uh, a box in a loft of uh, old programs, the stuff my dad had given me, and there's a Cup Final 66 oh, program. Wow. So uh, did your dad go to the game? No. Oh. You didn't go. Um, so we had the pro uh, program, which is very vague because it doesn't give the final team because it was done. Um, it was more um, probably a few days before, um, but uh, yeah. So I've always I, I remember my dad taking. We watched it in black and white, and a few months later, it came out in the cinema. That the story of the '66 World Cup, and it was in colour, and it was yeah. the first yeah. time I can remember seeing the, the difference between and black and white on a little yeah. telly and going yeah. to the cinema, seeing England actually in red shirts for yeah. when they won. And so, um, I've watched so many documentaries on the '66 World Cup. I've read seven autobiographies of the starting lineup. And it might be eight. Um, and Bobby Moore was my hero watching. I went to watch West Ham from when I was six. By the time I was eight, I was watching Bobby Moore and West Ham, not West Ham and Bobby Moore. Yes. Um, there's pictures of me playing 11, 12, 13, captain of a district team, holding the ball on my forearm, the way Bobby Moore used to right, walk out before a right. game, there's a did you used to bang it. Did you used to bang it out your hand like to, he did he as used well. Used to do that. Yeah. In that. Yeah. Um, and there's the the um, Essex Trophy called the Finch, that's for eleven year olds. There's a picture I've got of Bobby Moore having that when he played for Barking, which is the next area to where I was brought yes. up. And I've got a picture of me with that trophy. Oh, wow. It's a great big shield. Um, Didn't you get to West, then, West Ham and I he was still there? I got to West Ham and he was he still was, there. Yeah. I got a lift back to uh, when I was uh, injured. I had him giving me a lift to my nan's. Really? In his Jaguar years no. and years ago. Um, Tell, hold on, wait, 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 wait. I don't know that story. <laughs> uh, when, when, oh, when's this? You, how long is it? Um, so I was about 14 and um, I was training at West Ham in the evenings and I had a school game on a Saturday and we got a penalty and 
I kicked it very hard, but collapsed on the floor. And I pulled a groin muscle. Right. I scored, but um, <laughs> just I pulled a groin muscle. Yeah. So the yeah. following day, my dad says to me, you can't walk properly. If we go to West Ham's main ground, there's an entrance up in the corner. I'm sure people go in there who are injured. So we go there and we go down this corridor. We don't know where we are. My dad ends up speaking. I'm really shy. I'm standing out of the way. And um, so anyway, he finds the physio and um, we uh, eventually, the physio said, I'll go and sit in the dressing room and then come in. Uh, I'll have a look at you in half an hour. So he came in and I'm really shy and I'm sort of half holding this newspaper and the only two other people in the room were Bobby Moore and Jeff Hurst. <laughs> oh, no. And, uh, How and do I, I not know this story? Yeah. This is crazy. And so anyway, that, that was the oh, first bit where gosh. I was too shy to talk um, <laughs> and say anything. What year is this now? 72. Uh, 72, three, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, wow. Anyway, when I'm uh, having treatment, and I'm allowed to have treatment uh, at lunchtime because my school was within a mile of the ground. So one day I'd gone in for treatment and um, not there that long. Bobby Moore was having treatment. And um, so the physio said, oh, have you got, you, you got to go back to school? I said, oh, yeah, I've got, yeah. So Bobby Moore said, oh, I've... Um, where where you got to go? And I, you know, I told him where it was. wasn't far away. And he said, "Okay, I'll give you a lift." And so I sort of sheepishly said thanks and sat in the front of this Jaguar. And so we drive and get to the school. And I look at my watch and realise <laughs> that I'm going to be really early now, yeah. and there's going to be like half an hour. It used to not be a problem, but because I'm resting my groin, I'm not playing football in the playground. Yeah. So I said, "Oh," I said. Um, my nan lives just down the end of this road around the corner. So he said, okay, then I'll take you there. So he drove this extra three quarters of a mile, half a mile. And then I pull up and I get out and say, thank you. And then I go uh, through a little gate up to the steps to my nan's uh, house, knock on the door and Bobby Moore's driven off. And so my nan says, what are you doing here? So I said, well, I didn't think I was coming, but I've got a lift. So she said, uh, well, did you know the person you was getting a lift from? I said, well, sort of. She said, it's very dangerous to get a lift with people you don't know. Yeah, yeah. I said, it's Bobby Moore. She said, who? And that was, that's, that's me Bobby Moore story. What a lovely story. What well, a lovely story. Yeah, there's a couple. I played a charity game, uh, 45 minutes with him. Um, six, seven weeks after Marilyn died. Yep. And he knew. Ah, okay. Um, and so he played the first half, and uh, that was uh, one of our biggest football moments to play on the pitch with him. Did he? Uh, did he? Did he bring up Marin with you? He said, "Are you okay?" Before the kickoff, and that was enough. And I realised he knew sitting in the dressing room. And we played the first half, and we come out for the second half, and I looked round, he wasn't there. Yeah, okay. Um, but that was, uh, yeah. So that that was my bit of playing with him. And that was the chance of being uh, in a car wow. um, when That's I was when I was a little line. kid. What but I wasn't the kid that went to school and went, oh, by the way, Bobby Moore gave me a lift. I just sure. didn't, just didn't tell people. It was mine. That was enough. That was it? my bit. Yeah, it was your. It was your, yeah. It's in your heart. Mm. Did and, and any other because you know for 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 us, I suppose for people, uh, especially around here of a certain age, you know, Bobby Moore's Bobby Moore, you know, and and. Um, 
well, around the world. I mean, he's known everywhere. But any other reflections about him, the man? Any other like was he was he what everyone said that that gentleman? Well, yes, I thought I thought so, and also the way he played. Um, and then from from the film, um, the time of the '66 and the 1970 when he was accused yeah. of doing yeah. something he didn't. How he reacted, how he still played, how he got on with Pele. The picture with him and Pele swapping yep. shirts. Yep. I've got their two autographs on a picture that, that is going up when we actually when finished yeah, the bungalow. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's. Did, there's did you meet Pele as well? No, never met him. No, no. But good but, lord. Um, yeah. All right, Dad. Are you, um, you know, bringing this thing to the, uh, uh, to, closure? Yes and no. Yeah, we're, got, we're just talking about Bobby Moore at the moment. So uh, yes, we've got two more songs to go. That's that's my dad, who you can find in season one, episode six. All right, Dad. Thanks. <laughs> oh dear. Well, even that in for sure. That's not being edited out. God, I'm glad he didn't come in a bit earlier. Um, so that probably more documentary come film. Yeah, that's the I've film. watched probably three times. So yeah. actually, I've watched it more than any film I've ever watched. Um, and luxury it, it's item. about him, and it shows the World Cup, which is, you know. So iconic to England because of England winning. So that that was easy to. Um, so the film was easy. The film was easy enough in the end. Yeah. The luxury item is not really luxury. It's just would be um, all the pictures off my phone oh, and nice. the iPad. Yeah, that's not that's so a luxury. That mem- so I want another thing on memories. Um, not that uh, visual memories yeah. which enhance stuff um, and so sometimes when I'm on a plane going to watch some football and stuff like that and you just sit there and go through your pictures on your phone and that um, so so um, realised again when we moved nine months ago how many photos you got um, and if we're going to go through this over between 1980 and now, which is nearly 40 years. So wedding albums. Um, and also because my parents have died, I've got their albums of little photos that they were given, black right. and white pictures right. of going back a fair way uh, of a family tree, if you like. Right, right. All right, well, I'll give you all of them. You can't have any songs on your phone, mm. but I will give you your iPhone with purely photos. Or I'll even we'll blow some up for you. All right, how about that? Now, um, <laughs> just uh, uh, apologise to everyone for Dad's intrusion on, on, on Paul's interview. Um, but let's go to another... Now, I've got to get this right. This is from Live in New York City in 2001. Is that the right... Yeah, album. so th- this... Um, Land of Hope and Dreams. Land of Hope and Dreams is a song when? Um, 2001. I was in a bit of a... Um, in a, Over the two years before that, I'd done a lot of work. I'd done a lot of coaching, a lot of stuff for me in a way. And my second wife sue probably wasn't getting the attention and she started to be a little bit more independent and eventually she um 
2001 was um, she didn't want to be with us anymore. So devastating as that was, eventually um, when you resign to the fact that something's not going to happen, um, she used to work on a Sunday night in a old people's home as a nurse um, while we were still in the house uh, together before everything was sorted. So it was an emotional time and then when you're on your own, uh, you look to music to lift you or go along with how you're feeling anyway. But this song does a bit, this is a lifting song that was just, uh, Bruce didn't do an album, he just did a couple of new songs that went on a live album and Land of Hope and Dreams has just got everybody, it's about everybody and anybody getting together and it, it was emotionally lifting for me when I was sitting on my own thinking what's the future going to hold we're in 2001 where are we going forwards we've got three children how are we gonna who's who's what and where they're going to live how old are the this, how old are pete uh james and charlotte so uh pete's uh 15 thinking about university yeah. uh james is 12 and charlotte's nine um so how are they feeling what are we going to do how's this going to work out um what what is the right way to do things um so th this was an uplifting song that i played a lot because i had it on a single as well yeah um so i found it an uplifting song and now whatever 18 years later and i've been with uh chrissy for the last 15 years hi chrissy um she's now been to seven or eight Bruce concerts and this is her favourite song as well oh god love her alright so this is um, Land of Hope and Dreams very live at Madison Square Garden yeah.
lot's just happened in the sorry I cut you off Bruce four minutes 14 but um what were you what were you gonna what were you saying about the lyrics the um it's just uh an inclusive thing I've come on um let's let's together help get ourselves out of here you know uh grab your suitcase and your ticket and let's go and this train's full of losers and winners. So it's an inclusive thing. Um, so it's an encouragement to come on, do something rather than wait for something to happen to you. Um, and so that sort of uh, fitted that time. But um, when the song's played live, there's a different ending to it with a Motown right. ending that's... Get, that's tacked on the end of it and stuff though um it it's um yeah so i find it uh, a really uplifting song james can remember it so he was 12 oh. james can remember it more than um pete can because he'd probably gone up his room at 15 um but the the thing to me is that bruce has been with us in my musical side from 
when I was 18, 19. And um, from Marilyn to Sue to Chrissy now, they've all of their own accord seen uh, as seen him as a vital, important yep. artist yep. and wanted to go with you. So you have a shared experience of going to the show, which yep. is not like any other show. Um, and that's the thing is, is, is look, you know, you've, you've clearly, I hope it's come through loud and clear how important Bruce has been in your life, but it's not just his records and it's as important as they are, mm. but it's actually the live experience as yeah. well, isn't it? Over mm. and over again. Yeah. And does that does actually seeing him live give you strength as well? Because I'm hearing that a lot well, as well. I think you're giving um, it it it's still a big moment. So if you've had loads of big moments and memorable moments in your life, then you can remember. I can remember different concerts, yes, and different places. And we've been to Dublin and been outside. We've been to Paris and been inside. Um, yeah. And so different different uh, emotions uh, or an extended amount of emotions. And if you want to, you can go on YouTube and Google your concert and someone would have done one song from That's there. Right. And you can feel that you're back in it uh, as well. And one of the things with Bruce is that he allows someone uh, to... A lot of his albums are then... Uh, out live from uh, various, not from regular record shops or whatever, but you can get a lot of their albums and they are legit. They're not just bootlegs. So we have concerts that we've been to Mm. and everyone is that little bit different. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, um, yeah, he stayed with us on the journey and on the journey now, Pete, I've seen Pete at yeah, two concerts. That's so, right. so that you've seen him at the concerts, or you, well, I you've saw gone him with before. Him. Yeah, he, he's in different areas. Yeah, I've seen him at Manchester and that. And so it's nice when oh, you've you, what you've seen him uh, in the crowd. Go, go when to, you, yeah, uh, at the same concerts, uh, and, to, and and no one has been pushed to go. They're, they're, yeah, they 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 yeah. make their own mind up on music. Um, well, Pete feels uh, music. I know as deeply as, as, as you mm. do. And when, when we've, we've spoken, uh, you know, quite, quite a bit, obviously, I mean, Australia, he's here, but whenever I, we've, whenever I come back, I see Pete and when he tells me Bruce Springsteen's become very important to him as well. And I've always loved to hear that. He's, he's gone through, um, Bob Dylan, um, right. Leonard Cohen, he likes, he loves, uh, um, Nick, uh, Nick Nick Cave, Drake, Nick, Nick Drake. Cave at the moment. Oh, is, Nick Cave, okay. Yeah, because he loved Nick Drake as well um, um, from Pink Moon, obviously. Yeah, so Nick it was Cave. funny when we moved nine months ago. I found a couple of boxes that were his from what he'd had at home, and he, he had some funny heavy rock stuff when he was seventeen <laughs> and eighteen. In some of the people I never heard of in uh, that box of uh, CDs. It's funny, you know. Um, I, I won't put the actual numbers in, but. Um, the difference between you and I and, and, and he and I in, is exactly the same in years. And, um, you know, again, I, I'm in Australia and it's a great shame to not be around people I love so much. But um, 
like I said before, I've got, I feel like I've got very, I mean, obviously I'm Charlotte's godfather and as rubbish as I've been because I've been over the other side of the world. But people know, James. people know what you are and um, when your name's mentioned, the, the reaction is, is, is oh, uh, nice. so positive from uh, Charlotte. When, oh, that's nice. If your name is mentioned, so I, Charlotte, wouldn't worry about, I'd be, I wouldn't worry about that. I'd like to formally apologise though, Charlotte, <laughs> for taking on your role, which I, I was incredibly, incredibly honoured to, uh, to agree to and then you know and and let's say I could I could have been a better godfather certainly if I'd have been in the same country it might have been oh. a bit easier but anyway anyway that aside um, uh, yeah it's great that Pete's um, Pete I know Pete loves love, loves loads of different music um, but I think it's wonderful that he's he's become a love of Bruce as well mm. um, okay right well um, before Dad opens the door and has another go at me. Um, I, I did, this is this one song on this album that I was a little bit surprised about. I just mm -hmm. didn't know you loved uh, Oasis this much, and certainly to take a whole album. I mean, Champagne Supernova, what an amazing song! But I was surprised that, that you would use one of your choices up. So please tell me why. I just um, I felt that otherwise. There was a lot of um, artists as you grew up, and then, and then so they they were sort of alongside you, if you like, or slightly older than you. Yeah. Um, to go something the other way, um, my f uh, three uh, other two favourite artists at the moment are Snow Patrol and Coldplay. Okay. So between those. I could pick out Coldplay songs like Fix You and I could say that would be in my top 10 or 12 songs and then I would say, well, Snow Patrol, I really like a number of songs from Run, not just Chasing Cars, some of the others, but a whole album of um, uplifting music that, that makes you feel young and has a time and a place and stands as test of time yep. is the two Oasis albums and the first two. Yeah. And so when you look at, you know, how many good songs are on there, yep. how many songs are a little bit different, the, the different tempo of uh, Wonderwall uh, and Don't Look Back in Anger, the fact that the two brothers sing different. Uh, popular songs on it yep um and so there it was uh i thought that encompassed it um being the last song on that album yep. your difficult album is supposedly your second one hmm. and to me it turned <laughs> out to be their best one had a sort of different yep. sort of uh thought to it um and as i say you could have picked out a few others that I, I realised that I didn't pick out any Beatles albums. I really, mm, apart yep. from the early singles that I saw from my parents, um, in 2004, 2004, around that time, 
I went and bought every Beatles CD over a period of time, over a year. I bought some at second-hand fairs mm. and whatever. And so I listened, and I've got the, some of the individual stuff and whatever. And there's loads of good songs, and the easy thing would have been to have said, oh, the Beatles album, number one album, or something or whatever. But I can see the Beatles in Oasis. Absolutely. And what uh, and this... this um, so... You know, you spoke a lot about what how the lyrics, uh, especially for Springsteen, have, have given you strength, really, mm. paraphrasing what you've said over the years. Does, is it anything about the lyrics of this, or is it more no, what, I didn't, the overall? No, it took a long time to realise that a supernova is a... Is it a cloud? In the literal sense, yeah. Yeah, an exploding galaxy, exploding like a, sense, a exploding star. So, so it, that, that wasn't really... That didn't really mean that I've got some thought about the world exploding or <laughs> listening to global warming yesterday and thinking the world might not be here in so many thousands of years. It's not uh, anything like that. I, I just think that it's got some bits of subtlety. It's got some bits of mm. hardness. It, it It's a, a song that grows. Mm -hmm. And most of the songs that I've probably choose uh, are grow into something and have... Uh, and leave you with a, a thought and a feeling. Yeah. Um, what feeling does this leave you with? Uh, I, I just get from them. I wish they was. <laughs> wish they'd have carried on as good as that. <laughs> Although there is some good songs since. Yes. Yeah. But I, I think to me, it just encompasses what the album is. Okay. Without yep. without it being in a hurry. There's some short songs, long songs and whatever this, this just is a lovely finish god that was really good i'd play that again yeah. and i'd play it again from track one yep yep it's like almost old school in that respect mm. isn't it it's a throwback all right so um we'll we'll listen to i mean it's, and, and oh and by the way you get um you get paul weller on this as well do you know he played the other solo so it was him and him and noel gallagher exchanging uh solos during the solo years to years and years before I was sure that Sting did money for nothing.
ask her why A dream, a dream, she never dies Wipe that terror away now from your eyes Slowly walking down the hall Faster than a cannonball Where were you while we were getting high?
think maybe I'd have to check this, but I think Johnny Depp may be one of those voices in that. Yeah, 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 but yeah. that it plays. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, yeah. Very, um, yeah. Beatles. Some some of Oasis started off with a bit of T Rex type yes, that's stuff right. as well. Status quo. Uh, status quo. So yeah, and seeing the documentaries of how that was made and seeing yeah. some of. Uh, Noel Gallagher writing the lyrics on the, in the yeah. car on the way to the studios and stuff. And they had a stab at making it. It didn't sound right. And then they mm. re-recorded yeah, it. And yeah, yeah. Until it started all over again. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, I think it's good. Uh, they, you know, it'd be nice to think that they might, they're about the only band that ain't reformed in the last 15 <laughs> years, I think. So I, I wouldn't put it, Liam I wants wouldn't to. Uh, Liam wants yeah, to, 100%. I saw that, saw that thing on... Uh, on Saturday, but yeah, so that sort of is a bit more of uh, music from people younger than me that helps to keep you young. And it's that whole '96 um, uh, Brit, uh, was it? What do you call it? Yeah. Cool Britannia sort of bit. Yeah, on. Uh, and then as I say, nowadays Coldplay um, and Snow Patrol. We really like Snow Patrol. They have seven years off, which is. Good for them, but not good for when you want to hear some fresh songs. Oh, is that right? Has it yeah, been that long? Yeah, so, so we saw them in concert a few months ago. So I've managed, other than Oasis, all those others people we've seen. So that was your uh, nod to the, uh, well, that wasn't quite in the 21st century. but No, it was but getting, sort of, yeah. Close, as close as we're going to get with <laughs> those ones. Oh, actually, um, sorry, I'm, sorry. Oh, no, no, that's so wrong. So if, if they seem a bit... No, 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 live in New York City was 2001. 2001 my my yeah. apologies. Yeah, if without seeming like I'm narrow musical taste, oh, um, no. next week we're going to see Beverly Knight singing the songs of Stevie Wonder. Ah. Uh, December, we're seeing Emily Sanday. Great scene. Uh, November, we're seeing James Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you yeah, remind me of um, that it's put, I was nearly said it earlier on, um, but I don't know, you probably would never listen to this. But my mate Tom, who I work with, Tom Reed, he, he and I share an office, and um, we went to uh, to see the Joshua Tree tour in Pasadena together. We went when we were in Los Angeles and. It was one of the greatest experiences, you know, you know, in the Rose Bowl and they play the whole of Joshua yeah. Tree and all that. And I was thinking about it earlier on, but I've been thinking about him and you ever since because you're the two people I know. If I look, if I look, if I think of all my friends and, and you know, I know a lot of musicians and all that, but you and him have the same kind of, um, not approach is not the right word, but the same love of live music. You're mm. the two people I know that go to the most gigs and... Um, and some people I know they go okay um, Foo Fighters coming to town we'll go see them or Elton John's on his last tour we'll go and see them but you and Tom if if you're listening mate have got this really uh, I think um, beautiful love for live music you know and and going regularly to see different bands I don't know many people like that that Mm. that still because it's become corporate hasn't it and it's become difficult to get there you can you can most of those artists you can find a video of them and sit indoors. That's it. And sometimes um, now you want to go sit in the third. If you if it's a seated one, you'd go, you'd love to be at the front. But I, I can't remember the last time know. I got near the front of a. Uh, I had a li- little spell of year before, year ago, two years ago, where um, you get knocked that everybody goes to a concert puts a phone above uh, their head to record yeah, it, and yeah. if you're behind, they couldn't care a monkeys that you can't see. 
um, find that. And if you've paid a lot of money to yeah. go or it's took a lot of time to get there yeah. and you've gone right out your way and you can't see and then you're nudging someone or someone stands up immediately and they're the only person in the, the old, whole audience that's standing up for a ballad, yeah. um, why, is he, why are they in front of me that's sort right. of thing? And that's where reg, regular thing is to sit indoors and you've got no one in your way watching that's the right. video. That's right. But the, the emotion and um, I suppose I find it, it's in everything. So um, I can watch... Um, Football. I can watch football videos. Part of my job, I can watch a video or a TV recording of one of the players that I look after who's on loan from Tottenham. Um, or I can go, like one boy's at Stoke, and it takes four hours to get there. Yeah. But it's so different when you go and you feel the crowd. You yeah. feel yeah. stuff that you can't in a two-dimensional sit in front of something. Yeah, so cool. any live sport... Um, including stuff that my wife thinks boring, like cricket, is much more emotion and atmospheric uh, and unique to be there or at a theatre or to be at a show um, and admiring someone that can go and stand up and do that. Mm. Um, yep, and that's well said, well said. Um, I don't... I, I, I suppose what well, silver line is at least you don't have to stand next to anyone smoking anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember a, seeing a police concert. I was in the third row and the guy in oh. front of me had the worst BO and had oh. the biggest waving arms oh. that I'd ever... Um, <laughs> Where do these yeah. seven-foot-tall people come from as <laughs> well? It's it funny. Gives. It was like 1990 yeah. or so and you can remember... I can't remember much about the concert. Right. I remember Just getting that fuming guy angry. in front of me with BO. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, the joys of those gigs. So, yeah, somebody that's really drunk and keeps bumping into you the other time. Yeah. All right. Well, look, we better wind it up, mate, right. because um, three hours and one minute. Right. Pretty okay. good. We're, after one song or two songs, we was at one hour, so I think we've done all right. That's the skill of the interviewer, by the way, yeah. not, not, not the interviewee. Okay. Um, so I was – it's going to sound like I teed this up ages ago. I did not, but I was – I couldn't sleep last night. I was probably excited about seeing you. I found myself – um, reading about a poet called William Ernest Henley. Oh, can we, we just silence it? It's Chrissy. Wanna... There you go. You alright? Well, just this is uh, this is the point where I get to. No, I've not answered it yet. Oh, you are okay. Sorry, Chrissy. And uh, when you listen back to this, that was that was Chrissy remotely. That was Paul's. Um, that's Paul's lovely wife, Chrissy, just ringing in. Um, so anyway, yeah, so I'm down this rabbit hole last night. And the reason he's, I think, most well known is for the poem Invictus. And and him winding it up, and, and we spoke while the song was playing earlier on about religion, and I don't think we'll go there. That's 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 not for us to cover, but Paul's book will be the Bible. Um, but the Invictus poem is, is, that, is, is the one that's got a few very famous lines. Uh, My head is bloody but unbowed. And uh, I believe he struggled with ill health, tuberculosis, and, and tra tragedy in his life. And um, and I think this poem became strength to, uh, among others, Nelson Mandela. And and now we've got the Invictus Games, and that's, you know, but um, it made me think of you actually. And the last the last verse is: It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And it made me think of you. Mm. Um, 
and the forbearance, you know, the way that you've you've um, had to put up with so much in you know in your life that's that would have that would have brought most people to their knees, and you've but you've you've managed to um, keep going. And on a personal level, I I you know since you moved in, obviously it was it was something slightly different when I was twelve, thirteen. But you know, you're the closest thing I've had to a, a, a hero that I've known. You know, I'm not, I didn't live next door to Brian May, you know, I, um, uh, and, and and you've been a tremendous hero to me throughout my life. Not just not not because, you know, you played for, for West Ham or whatever, but just the way that you looked after me, took me to gigs. Um, you know, you're an adult treating a teenager like a, an adult probably for the first time in my life, you know, and I wanted to thank you officially or, or, or formally or whatever on this and I know that's going to make you feel very embarrassed to hear but I wanted to do it anyway so thank you Paul Uh, thanks Uh, when um, when you go over as I say this has been like a year of uh, moving finding stuff finding memories photos different albums trinkets what do you keep what what does it remind you of um uh, it's uh, it's nice to be able to express express it and realise that alongside everything that's happened, as I say, that there's a bit of a, a soundtrack to your life and to talk about something that you find so vital and something I've always thought of f- without this situation we've put ourselves in with to, to make this thing come together today was that if the worst happened somewhere and I could have a TV or music I'd have music <laughs> I think that's come through loud and clear it's been and, and Bruce Springsteen obviously sits apart for you and um, he's been a tremendous strength to you as well yeah so he's he's 70 and um yeah, so it also gives you. Hey, I like to look like him. I said, I know that's probably going to be difficult, um, but we're you're not, you're not doing bad. We're what we're hoping in the future can be is that never been to New York. Mm. Hopefully, there's going to be a East Street Band album out next year right. and a tour, and then when you get to my age, sixty, you want to go and experience something you haven't done. It's can we experience New York and Bruce in New York um, while we're still able? I promise you this. When my book gets sold to Netflix for a seven or eight figure sum, I'm flying you and Chrissy first class to, yeah. to New York for a Bruce Springsteen right, show thanks. on Broadway or, or, or wherever they play. Um, right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Anything else you wanted, wanted to say? Was there any- no, no. It's, um, as I say, I, I think... Um, if you reflect, it's great, and then you realise a lot of people have been with you on the way, and sometimes you don't always realise that. Sometimes in the back of your mind you do, but this also is other people sort of helped us on the journey, and you don't always get a chance to say it in that way and realise it, yeah. that um, it's no solo thing. You You get by with people's help support prayers thoughts guidance just being there if you knew you needed them so that's always important and that's what made 
our family is an extended family. It's a really extended family and uh, for different areas, we're an extended family that's been so powerful as a unit that it's kept us all going. Amen. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for today, really. Love you, mate. Cheers. Cheers.